Warning. The Dub Talk Podcast Club may contain strong language that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there's always a possibility that we're going to be discussing spoilers for this anime and any other anime that may be out there. So please be careful while you're listening to us debate about, I don't know, themes and actors and all that stuff for any series that you may not have finished. Also, remember everybody, just so that we don't get into any fistfights, Noah, or potential trips into the dungeon, I guess, that the views of everybody here reflect them of themselves and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. Now, with that being said, I think we can finally get this club meeting underway. I mean, it's only been like, what, five years since we've tried to get this Hyoka club meeting episode done? I mean, Roots, where did you get all those pugs? What do you mean you traded them? What did you trade to get to five? No, it, no, just, just, just roll the episode editor, lady. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dub Talk, the club where a group of like-minded fellows get together, solve some mysteries, and maybe... Review some recent dub announcements or a show that's out on home video now. I am your club vice president, Megan, and tonight I have with me club president and team mom, Lilac. Hello. I have our treasurer and pug wrangler, Roots. Like zoink, Scoob. And we have some <laughs> asshole nobody likes, no clue or some shit. I like to stay sunny regardless of the circumstances. It's great to be here. I'm sorry, can I just say that I almost didn't believe that that was Roots when he said hi? <laughs> you thought so he went like full- shaggy? You're going full Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem is full shaggy today. Casey Kasem has risen from the grave. He's That's back right, blood. He's not dead. I hear him on the radio every Saturday night. He lives Your radio is possessed. And on satellite he, radio. That is true. From coast to coast. You know, they actually cast him as Shaggy's dad in Mystery Incorporated, which I thought was the coolest casting choice ever. That is awesome. But you anyway. know what's also cool casting choices? What we're going to talk about tonight. Segway! Because speaking of rising things from the grave, mythical dubs, <laughs> mythical dubs. What mom said. You're going to be a white whale. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. A Thank you, Ish. Ishmael. Thank you. I know you you hate that book, Noah. So. I, I hate it very badly. Never, ever read it. None of you. Don't even read the Cliff Notes version. Don't even watch the Wishbone episode about it. Yeah. Don't read Moby Dick. Instead, find somebody's Moby Dick, if you know what I'm saying. No! Well, anyway. Whoa, this is not the time or place for that. No, insta- oh, wait, instead of ta- reading no, Moby Dick, a- they should read a different novel. Uh, Megan, do you or have another novel recommendation? Or maybe they should watch a, no- a show based off of a light novel. Even- In fact, tonight we are talking about Hyoka, the 2012 anime series from famed studio Kyoto Animation, revolving around the story of Kotoro Oreki, a high school boy who does not want to expend any energy, who gets wrapped up into the mysteries around his school by Eruchi Tanda, and by the wishes of his sister Tomoe to join the classic literature club. Tonight we are here to talk about Hyoka from start to finish as best we can. We're going to be reviewing the entire dub from episode 1 to 22, 
including the OVA that they did in fact dub for the release. Which, if you're watching it on Funimation's website, I did not even realize it was a different episode because I wasn't I think paying it's attention to the numbers. Episode eleven point five. Yeah. It is. It's the pool episode because it's the only episode with unneeded fan service. There is um, no yep. such thing as unneeded fan service. Yes, there is. Shut is your mouth and sit the fuck down. It's called it's a Hot Springs episode of Grimgar. That that's a good point, actually. I mean, you're not wrong. Okay, so for tonight's episode, I am in charge, which means that everything is going to end in disaster. The fields of the the, the Chitanda family farm will, in fact, be on fire, and nothing will be solved. Yay! Oh. So let's get started by figuring out who directed this wonderful little Kyo Annie show. Um, because this is a dub review, we are not going to be doing any predictions for the show. They came out. We couldn't. And let's face it, this came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, no, this literally came out of fucking nowhere. Uh, out of the same hole they pulled Gosick out of, basically. Pretty um, much, yeah. Another show that you could not watch anywhere until they picked yeah, up the rights to is, it. Yeah, this is now the, the first time that technically... No, you could actually legally stream, stream Gosick a couple years ago. Gosick, yeah, yes, but not Yoko. Ago, but not for too long, because yeah. um, Crunchyroll did take it down after, um, I think it was just before Bondi shut down, too. Yeah, it was right before Bondi shut down, but in yeah. Hyoka's case, you could never actually legally watch the show. Never. No. Which, if you're asking why I'm hosting, because I was a dirty, dirty pirate back in college. <gasps> yes. Oh, shame. Shame. And I watched the first five episodes of the show. Well, that oh. solves that mystery. This is why Megan's hosting, because Megan's seen part of the sub. So, first off, we're going to talk about the directors of this show. There happens to be, you say. Yes, there are two directors of this show. Specifically, uh, one director worked on episodes 1 to 12 and 18 through 22. The other one worked on episodes 13 through 17, which is known as the Kanyan Fe uh, Kanya Festival, or Kanyasai. Um... So the first director that we have for episodes 1 through 12 and 18 through 22 is going to be Mike McFarland. The episode director for episodes 13 through 17 are going to, is going to be Chris George. Um, we're also going to take this time to also talk about our two writers on the show. They did not say who wrote what episode. The, you could probably go by the credits to see who wrote which. Um, unfortunately, on the blog and Funimation... Uh, on Funimation's blog or ANN, they do not divide this, so we're going to give them both equal billing. The two writers of this show are going to be Bonnie Clinkenbeard and Emily Neves. To go over a couple of shows that Mike McFarlane has directed, he has directed Attack on Titan, Barakamon, and Mushishi. To talk about what Chris George has directed, he has directed Snow White with the Red Hair, both seasons, uh, Monster Hunter Stories, Ride On, and unfortunately, a little show that we all wish we could forget... And you never thought there was a girl online. No, it's no, easy to forget if you've again, never watched it. Not again. No, no, no. no, no. no. Roots, Roots, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're not talking no, about that. We're not talking about no, that. No, no. To go over what Bonnie Clinkenbeard has written, she has written series such as Norgami and Norgami Argoto, Yuri on Ice, and A Centaur's Life. To talk about what Emily Neves has written at least with Funimation because if you've heard the name Emily Neves she also works with Sentai Filmworks uh, she has also written for episodes of Snow White with the Red Hair Planetarian and Urahara Urahara being that show we're not talking about, about. 
this season. Sorry, guys. Yeah, which is yeah, sorry, guys. We're not talking about Urahara, which is why I'm saying it. It's too Maybe good for us. in the future, but we're not doing it now. No, yeah. it, no, we're not talking about it because nobody wanted us to talk about it yet. Mm-hmm. Well, screw so, that. Any... I, I want to talk about crepes and strawberries. Hey, guess what? We're not. We're instead going to talk about the writing and directing on this show. Uh, okay. I vote that Noah gets to go first because he opened his fat mouth. Awesome. <laughs> I love going for... Wait, wait. Oh, shoot. All right. I'll walk the plank first. <laughs> Which is good. It's good, though. No, this is really good because I... I good. Really... He can put his body in the crocodile stomach so it won't eat us. I oh my God. Oh, okay, that's a that's a different mystery show altogether. As for this one, I really like the writing and the directing on this because uh, specifically, I didn't really know what to expect about the show going into it, except that it was a Kyoto Annie show, which meant we knew that it was going to be really adorable looking, and two that it was based on a novel, not a video game, not a light novel, not a dating sim, but an actual honest to God words in print novel. So. That made I believe me... it's actually a series of novels. It is, you're right. Each novel yes, being, well, uh, each novel is a different mystery. It's, uh... Cool. I believe that is correct. It, well, regardless, this is still... Okay, it means that the form that you would originally read this in before they turned it into a cartoon was in, uh, with prose and dialogue and long descriptive uh, lines explaining everything. Um, so I didn't know if that would really translate well into the actual dialogue of the characters in the show. Fortunately, though, they have a, they take big advantage of a lot of the, like, double meanings in words, and they have, like, uh, interesting lines that are really fun to listen to. Like, one in particular that I really love was, uh, I think it was from, like, episode four, where, um, what is it? Um, you got the two characters riding on the bike, um, going home, and one of them says, um, it's starting to rain. And so he says, I won't get rained out, because he didn't want to get rained out. And then one of the other characters responds back, perhaps you should rain it in a little. And I was like... Oh my god, I love cheesy dialogue like that so much. Puns. I know I love puns, but but they're like they're like the kind of puns that you shouldn't be able to write. They're like things that only come up naturally when you're talking to your good friends. It's like the kind of bounce back and forth dialogue that works really well amongst close friends. So and that they do that throughout like the entire show too. All four of the main characters work off of each other really well. They're all really well casted, and we'll get into that later. And yeah, there's just like a lot of good ear candy in the writing that I'm really glad that we got this writing team together because they do a really good job. So as far as adapting a novel into a cartoon, I'm going to give them thumbs up. This was way better than I thought it was going to be. And I'm really glad that they adapted it uh, painterly. Uh, Next person, Uh, Roots, do you want to go? Sure, sure. I can do that. Um, I found it kind of weird. <clears throat> Truth be told, the mainly the script writing. Direction was fine, but, um... I don't know. The show itself, from my understanding, because I wasn't able to watch it sub before doing this episode, it plays a lot on Japanese wordplay. A story I would tell about... why I find, find the script writing a, a little bit wonky is actually sort of in its localization history. Because, um... Originally, we kind of found out that Hioka was licensable through Netflix. Because it ended up on Netflix Japan. And it was given a kind of interesting name when uh, when he ran it through Netflix's search engine in English. It translated to something kind of spoilerific of the first arc, but uh, Frozen Dessert. 
was the uh, was the title that Netflix gave it. So they just went ahead and they actually translated the Japanese right, right. into English. So I mean, the show itself plays very very heavily on Japanese wordplay. I think the scripts gave it a good college try. But I can imagine that it would be a completely different experience than watching it subtitled. And I'll okay. I'll have more thoughts about this toward the end of the show. In terms of direction, I I think the characters were well cast. It sounded great. It's just I feel this may be kind of a different experience. But I'll I'll have more towards the end. Okay. Well, Matter. Okay. Yeah. So. In terms of, I'm I'm probably gonna start with the writing. The writing, I can see where you're coming from, Rusa. It seems like it might be a little bit, maybe a little bit difficult in terms of incorporating that wordplay. But I actually didn't see that as a problem. But that's probably more from the experience of myself not having seen the Japanese yet, mm-hmm. and not even having that thought come across my mind and now I'm actually curious to see what kind of experience it would be if I watched in Japanese uh, but I know one of the things I did enjoy and I know Noah was kind of bringing it up a tiny bit the funny little snappy lines especially Odaki he has some snappy comebacks that child <laughs> Yeah. like I think one of my favorites that I wrote down sassy boy. he's a sassy boy and I love it and um, so I think what, his sister I think raised my, him well. I think one of my favorite ones that I wrote down in my notes was um, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was Satoshi. It was like it's on the tip of my tongue. His response: swallow it. Yeah, I think it was Satoshi. Yeah, it, it must probably, have been. Cause... It was probably Satoshi. I mean, who else would it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was Satoshi. Um, so I really, I did enjoy the writing. Uh, directing wise, with Chris. George and the Kanye Festival, I thought it was a very solid arc, considering he has directed things like Snow White and the Red Hair previously. That in particular is what comes to mind when I think of Chris George being a perfect fit for um, working on Hyoka. Mike McFarland, though, Mike McFarland is one of those directors where nine times out of ten, he's usually on the bigger projects, the more um, ones you would see as popular. But I, my favorite shows that he's directed are the ones that aren't as popular to be completely honest with you. Like, because I love... I did like Barakamon. I do love me, Mushishi. Shiki's yeah. probably one of my favorites. Mush, uh, Shiki's probably one of my favorites that he's directed, Absolutely, honestly. Absolutely, and I agree with you there. And... Are you telling me that that's of, not a popular show? Shiki... No, I don't think so. No. But, um... Go buy but it, But it's one, it's one of those... Yes, go buy it real quick. But it's one of those things where it's like... I really love seeing Mike McFarland on potentially smaller, maybe not so well-known or maybe popular shows because he gets a, he, I feel like he gets a bit more breathing room. He gets to have more fun with these shows instead of like trying to cater to a wide demographic and a larger audience. Mm-hmm. And with, especially with the casting choices, you can tell here. I mean, when we get to Odaki, Oh, I, I'm gonna say this again, but Odaki is the one reason I joined this episode in the first place. I'm not gonna lie. I saw the casting for Odaki, and I'm like, Megan, I need to be on Hyoka. <laughs> you have to put me on Hyoka. Can I be on Hyoka? But um, we'll get into that a bit more later. But 
the bribe money. Oh god, the bribe money. <laughs> oh, so much. I paid her love life, even though it's a Christmas present. <laughs> but no, you paid. No, I'm buying you Mob Psycho. We're trading, and and actually, I'm getting you the LE because there is no LE of Love Live. Damn you, Annie Plex. Damn you, damn you, Bondi and Sunrise. <laughs> but anyways, um, I think it's a very, very solid directing and writing overall. Um, I don't really have many complaints, if anything, but like Roots was saying, I'm honestly very curious to see just what, a, if it's a different experience if you were to watch it in Japanese because of all those wordplay moments. But um, yeah. It makes me wonder if, um, just going off of what Roots was saying, um, we ourselves, just at least us four, have watched, consumed a large amount of dubbed and subbed anime before, right? I would say it's probably consumed, out of all of us, more subbed anime than anybody. Right, so we're already familiar enough with when a show explains wordplay to us, like, especially, like, near the end of the school festival arc, there's a pretty long explanation about one plot point and how the wording on that uh, plot point comes out. If you've Such never... a long explanation. It's a, it's a long-ass explanation. And if you're a, a complete noob, like, uh, the the kind of people who watch shows that Mark McFarlane usually directs, then you're probably not going to get that. It's kind of like, it, you're just going to tune it out. Yeah. I, think, I think for those of us who are like a little more in the know, have some affiliation with the language and how double meanings work and how syllables in Japanese is like all phonetic, then that probably doesn't, it isn't as difficult to interpret. And there's always, yeah, and there's always a lot of like really sneaky wordplay that you may not be thinking of a lot, like people's names being puns and stuff like right yeah. that stuff so I, um there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we could um really go into with this because a lot of people are like a lot of people honestly did call this a undoubtable show yeah yeah we, oh, there okay. was a, a lot of people called this show for uh, undoubtable this was one of those like pantheon of shows like uh, Bakemono Gatari, which we'll never see a dub one because um, Anaplex is a bunch of cheap ass bastards. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's most I of mean, the reason. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Fight me. I'm not wrong. Um, but it's in that it's in that like range of things. Um, and also for the record, when we get to the four main characters, I am gonna pull up their seiyu, uh, just so that we can go between the two. Um, Two voices, because again, this was a show for a long time that was only viewable in the subtitled version. Um, if if done illegally, if done illegally. Welcome, um, ladies and gentlemen, to the next episode of Sub Talk. Sub Talk, the premium <laughs> podcast about subtitled anime. Damn it! <laughs> My thoughts on the directing and writing is that um, honestly, it was such a well put together dub that you could not really tell that there was two different directors for two different arcs. Yep. Um. Because in me, in my mind, the way that Chris George directs his anime is different from Mike McFarlane directing an anime. Because they both use different actors. They both use... Um, they both tend to use a different actor pool. Whereas um, when we get to certain characters, I'll note that, hey, this is kind of um, a casting twist that Chris George would do. Hey, this is kind of more Mike McFarlane. Um with obviously i will say i think mike mcfarland's presence on the show as a director really did help bring people like emily neves in because while emily neves does work on funimation stuff like snow white with the red hair which she worked with chris george uh planetarian where she's worked with uh cliff chapin 
Um, I feel like this show, we don't really know when they were putting the dub together for it. Um, I mean, if so, I had to guess... I'm going to guess it was sometime any... potentially last, or late last year, early the beginning of this I'm year. I about to say, if I had to take mm-hmm. a wild guess, it had to at least be around the same time as Ghostseek was in production. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, just... actually, I can I can say they probably started it maybe late, late summer, early fall, and there's a reason for that, and I'll bring it up. Um, yeah. But I think, honestly, for as as challenging of a show as this could be because of the fact that this is a show that lays relies exclusively on the Japanese alphabet that relies on Japanese language. And we do not have a very similar alphabet to Japan. Um, if you've ever seen the hiragana alphabet, it is vastly different from the, the, uh, Phoenician alphabet. Well, you're talking about, um, the English alphabet. It's the it, if you use the alphabet, think the Phoenicians. I've been I've been on Spaceship Earth enough times in my goddamn uh, life. It, <laughs> I don't even know. Phonet- what, yeah, the phonetic. I, I think we use the I think we use the phonetic alphabet. If we're wrong, correct me. I have a degree in humanities, and I can't tell you what goddamn alphabet we use. I think the word um, you're looking for is Latin based. Latin based, Latin based language. Um, <laughs> they did a really good job and a like a really good effort in translating this. And honestly, this is a show that I I do agree with Roots that you would get two different experiences watching it in sub and watching it in the dub. Okay. But they're not, just because they're two different experiences doesn't mean that one is better or worse than the other. Because I actually really did enjoy the dub. I thought a lot of the dialogue was very natural. I thought a lot of the chemistry in the show is well put together and well casted. Um, I thought that they used a, a really interesting core cast that... I feel like if this dub was put out in 2012 when this show came out, 2013, it honestly, I don't think would have been as enjoyable to me. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I feel like, this is kind of more final thoughts, but uh, when we get to these characters, we will, but I think that sums up my, my writing. And especially too, for me, I think they got a good mix between writers and Bonnie and Emily. Yeah. Because Bonnie is really, really known for being more close to the Japanese with rare exceptions being Yuri on Ice um, with certain dialogue. And to me, Emily is known for doing kind of more zany off-the-wall stuff. Like your... Because I believe she directs Watamote, correct? Uh, Did she? I didn't know that. I believe she directed I'll look Watamote, that up for you. correct? Um, but she's she also... She's also written like... I. No, that was Caitlin Barr. Never mind. You beat um, me to it. Yeah, I thought she wrote on Monster Musume, but that was Caitlin Barr. Um, but I think they kind of like straddled the line, getting people who could do fun stuff, but also stay true to the Japanese and not twist it too too far away. Because you know those people who are dirt, who are dirty, dirty pirates. <laughs> um, myself being one at one point. I, I I'm not proud of it, but I now legally subbed everything and have spent. I I mean in- I mean let's face it, when you're starting out, you are a filthy filthy pirate. I totally did not watch Haruhi Suzumiya on illegal sites when I first started watching anime. Totally. Yeah, totally. But I have now since have an anime collection that could fund some kids' college college <laughs> funds. So anyway, let's are we all ready okay. to move on? Yeah. Yes. 
um, just one last thing as a bit of context uh, for when the show came out. Um, I'm not talking about the dub, because the dub obviously came out this year. Yeah, the dub came out, like, five years later? Yes, but the original show came out in the spring of 2012 and ran for two seasons. It was two core. Notably, this was the first show that uh, Kyo and Annie made right after they made Nichijo. So to give you a bit of context ah. for jumping from a wacky four-coma adaptation of that into with a very different art style into this might give you a whiplash to give you to give you a a general like time frame of what other shows were coming out around the same time that this came out this is when excel world the first season of croco's basketball sankarea Kore, uh is this a zombie kids on the slope Jormungand, suritama mm. uh mysterious girlfriend x erika 7 ao um kingdom lupin the third fujiko mine the, these were all shows that were just starting to come out. I specifically picked those shows because those shows have since they were all dubbed before this. Well, the reason so. well the reason I point out uh, the production history in it is because Nichijo notably, and we talked a little bit about this in the um, uh, Dragon Maid episode. Nichijo was kind of a big uh, letdown sales wise for uh, KyoAni. So you see them in Hyoka starting to take a shift into not just doing wacky comedy, but they're doing something very different with their not just their art style, but also what kind of shows they're trying to make. So this will yeah, give us some... Yeah, but they're, they're going to immediately revert back to that within, like, two months because they're going to do Love, Chibunyo, and Other Delusions. But it's going to be about a year later or so they're going to put out uh, this little independent project called Free Iwatobi Swim Club. <laughs> thank you, memes. Memes ruining everything thank for you, everyone. Thank you, Tumblr, and your fucking crazy petitions. Um... <laughs> Also, later in that year, they're also going to be putting out um, a little series called Beyond the Boundary that Stephanie and I like a lot. Yes. Which probably shares more of a uh, similar art style to Hyoka than Free does. Still a little bit. <laughs> Just, I, believe, I actually believe they have the same animation director. That's why. They probably do, actually. Now well, you say it. Speaking of directors, uh, we should probably move on to uh, the first arc of this show, shouldn't we? Uh, yes, we should. No, second First, that's second arc. The last, okay. Uh, no. Well, our first, first set of characters. The last characters. major arc of the show. Let's show. The last major arc of the show slash the first set of characters we're going to talk about is the Kanya Festival or the Kanyasai, otherwise known as the Jumonji Incident. This is going to take up the episode, the four episodes that Chris George directed. Um, in this, there's a lot of characters. However, so they you, are Chris. only seen within this arc. No, they're so, not. What are you talking okay, about? One is not. Two One aren't. is not. Two, Two aren't. Well, it's kind of interesting. Fuck you. Some of the characters do show up like in small bits throughout bits. different arcs, but, but but they are mostly seen in this particular. They are most important to this arc. Dark. All right. So the the characters that we're going to be talking about are Koryuki Tani, who is a boy in Satoshi's class who is obsessed with beating him in everything he does. There's going to be uh, Mahash, uh, Mas Mahashi. I think it's Mahashi. Mas Masashi? To fuck it. Masahi Toigato, who this is a member of this motherfucker. <laughs> Point to the screen. Otherwise known as Smokey. <laughs> um, he is a third year that runs the newspaper club and is of an influential family of educators in the town that uh, the main characters live in, much like how Eruchi Tanda's family is very known for their farming presence. There is Tanabe Jiro, who is the co-head of the 
festival itself, and he is also the Jumonji culprit. Stealing people's items Spoilers. in reference. There's a fucking disclaimer. Um, <laughs> Just saying. Stealing Spoilers. items in regards to a manga that he would never get to complete with his friend who is uh, with two friends, one of them who left, and the other one who is the head of the festival itself. Freaking Agatha there Christie fanboys. Ayako Kochi, a bitch and cosplayer in the manga club with Mayaka. <laughs> Shoko Yusa, who is the president of the manga club, and Kaho Jumonji, the one and only member of the fortune telling club, as well as a shrine maiden at the shrine that they go to for New Year's. So, going in order of the characters, Koryuki is played by Micah Sowasad. Masahi. Masahi is played by Ian Sinclair. Somewhere Gigi is splooging. <laughs> Tanabe, Jiro, Tanabe Jiro is played by Dave Trosco. Oh my um, god. I was drinking my water, you son of a bitch. You people. I didn't know you were going to pull the Dave card on me. That's the only way I will ever talk about Dave Trosco. <laughs> um, Ayaka the bitch Koichi is played by Brina Palencia. Shoko is played by Don Bennett, and Kaho is played by Afi Yu. Micah Solsad, you know him for series such as Soul Eater, Yuri on Ice, and World End, Can You Save Us, long-ass title. Ian Sinclair, you know him in Yona of the Dawn, Sir Vamp, and Blood Blockade Battlefront. Dave! <laughs> Trosco, you know from Hitalia, Seraph of the End in Orange. Seraph of the End in Orange, not Seraph of the Orange. That'd just be weird. <laughs> That'd be a weird fucking crossover. Gay Vampire and, and Michael Solisod's in both of them. Focus, so. Megan, focus. Yeah. Raina Palencia, you know for character for a series such as Spice and Wolf, Black Butler, and Durarara Season 2. Don Bennett, you will know in series such as Dance with Devils, Fairy Tale, and Anime Gotteries. Which we should be talking about, but none of you voted for it. For it. And Afia, we know for series such as Gosik, Shonen Maid, and Kantai Collection. So, Noah, since you went first last time, why don't you start us here? You're seriously going to make me talk about all six of these characters. Back yes, back. at once! Okay. Three, two, one, go! Okay. Go! Yeah, okay, now, to be fair, that's okay, because, um, like I said, these characters are written in a way that they kind of, like, uh, weave in and out of the back and forth, because... The show during this arc of the school festival kind of cuts between the main four characters and what they're all doing. So we cut between bored sitting in a classroom trying to sell 200 collections of an anthology that we should not have printed. Cut to the manga club where we're having a debate about the merits of manga. Cut to the uh, the, the cooking challenge, like everything around. Okay, so all these characters- You mean get... you mean like more to cut to whatever the fuck Satoshi's going to do in that day? That was, fu that was hilarious. <laughs> No, no, that, that was what Eru was doing, how she kept getting distracted by, oh, I've got, uh, I need to get to the classroom, but not before I get a model in a, um, what was it? Um, uh, she was dressed in a cheerleading outfit. In a lot of things. Or, yeah. She modeled a lot of things. Yeah, so so basically the whole show. Fan service. And you, and you said the pool episode was the only one with unnecessary fan service. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of things with unnecessary fan service. One of them is fairy tale. <laughs> You're what? not wrong. So, okay, so the question is, how do all six of these guys do? All right, first off, I'm going to point out Afia Yu, first of all, because I did not realize that was her. She has, like, this uh, this uh, low, uh, droll voice and uh, as the only member of the fortune-telling club. I really like that voice on her. I don't think I've heard her use that before. Like, did she have a similar voice in Go Six? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, 
I'd say kind of, but I feel like you would have heard her use that similar kind of type of voice in a different show. Yeah. That's that's kind of normally the tone of voice that you go usually hear from her. Okay, so yeah, I was used to like the, the one that comes to mind more is um, her voice in um, uh, Allison Zoroku, where she's got more of a normal uh, voice. With like, that is that is one of the shows I remember. Now I have to watch on my uh, Thanksgiving break. Yes, you do because especially <laughs> you got to fix that. All right, so point is, yeah, Afia does a really good job in a part that it, it, it feels like a bit part. But it's a good bit part, because it's our introduction to someone is stealing all of our stuff, our Wheel of Fortune card has been stolen, and so I can't do tarot readings anymore. So that good on her. Uh, Dawn doesn't get to do too much uh, as the mediator, because most of the action in that scene is with uh, Brina going off about how manga is, uh, manga criticism specifically, is not really of any merit, because you're all y'all are just gonna read the genres you like anyway so why do we ha why do we criticize it you're not gonna listen to the criticism which feels a little too on the nose when we're doing a podcast criticizing the dumb really. of an anime i mean no. art imitates life guys that it does also i love the fact that there's okay the the manga cosplayers some of them are dressed up as vocaloids and there is specifically a point where they piss off one of the characters and so she turns around to the vocaloids and says to them like, I think I wrote it down, actually. It was something along... Okay, all right. If you don't know anything, you should keep your mouth shut. To a bunch of vocaloids, of all people. Burn! <sighs> so, yeah, Brina, awesome job on that. Um, I think she does bitchy all too well, but then again, this is the same woman who voices Holo, who is also can be a bitch sometimes, but we love her for it. So, good job on you, Brina. Um, and as for the... Okay, the last three... The last three all kind of, like, blend together. Oh, actually, no, Ian and Dave kind of blend together, because even though they get different uh, roles to play, uh, they're all kind of, um, kind of like this uh, older, kind of like, uh, I think I'm too good for you sort of mentalities that, you know, it's good. It, like, it fills the role they need to fill really well. And But last but not least, Micah's performance. I, I, I know why he was written into the show. He was written to be a red herring character, but now, now I want to go watch a pup named Scooby Doo. But that's not the point. My God, really good job on playing a. It was Red Herring. <laughs> hey Jones, it wasn't me. Stop blaming me. <laughs> so yeah, Mike. My, my... How many Scooby Doo references can we make in one episode? We will reference every mystery show, series, and book we can. And by the time, by the way, when we're done recording this, we're going to go watch The Great Mouse Detective. No, we're not. Yay! I want to watch. I want to watch uh, Vincent Price sing to me. Oh, right again. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do this last part in uh, Vincent Price voice. So I think that Micah Solisad is an absolutely bastard of a character who I'm absolutely glad was put into this role. And if he continues to do roles like this, I'll be absolutely happy for a role that was absolutely kind of a bit of a throwaway, but it was a lot of fun to keep around. So yeah, good job on all these guys for filling the different slots that need to be filled. That made the arc a little more watchable because and we can talk about this near the end i know some of us had some problems with this particular arc at least in marathoning it but acting wise good job on playing different high schoolers all you people take it away some other human <laughs> or non-human I, I i don't judge i guess i'll go i'll go next okay um Really, honestly, Micah was a little shit lord in this performance. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Wrong. And honestly, I kind of wish he would play more characters like this. Um, I mean, you have Soul, obviously, from Soul Eater, but Soul is also kind of, like, deeper and quieter. 
Because, face it, outside of Yurichiro, he plays a lot of very, like, not as loosey-goosey funny as as Kodayuki uh, is. Because, I mean, Yuichiro is funny, but Yuichiro is a moron, not like a little troll pain in the ass. Uh, when you think of Yurio, you think of the stick that is shoved so far up of Yurio's ass that he might as well be a puppet. Oh, um, and then I, the less I remember World End, the better. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed him, like, kind of busting Satoshi's balls. Ian Sinclair as uh, Masahi, he was a little bit weird for me. I think the performance was fine, but sometimes I feel like it came off that he was... You could clearly tell they casted him as a third year who was on the brink of adulthood. Uh, so it was a little bit off to me, but otherwise it was a perfectly fine performance. Uh, Afia as Kaho was really kind of fun because she was a lot more quieter than characters like, um, I would, she kind of reminded me a little bit of her character in Tsukigakure, but a little older. Uh, Don Bennett was kind of not what I expected her to be in, like, really soft-spoken Shoko. Brina Palencia was convincing enough that I wanted to smack that girl in the face. Yeah, I remember, I remember like, you came into the chat being like, I relate to the scene a little too much, didn't you? Yeah, I related to that scene with my, being in the Mayaka standpoint way too much. Uh, this is what happens when you moderate forums. Um, but I think she pulled off uh, Ayako being both bitchy and then kind of realizing how rude she was being. But then also in her realization to Mayaka that she can never accept uh, what's called the corpse by evening. Uh, we'll go into yeah. this a little bit more when we get to Mayaka, but she cannot accept this manga because it was written by her friend that moved away who only occasionally draw, drew while she drew a lot and she was very jealous of her talent. So admitting that A Corpse by Evening was a masterpiece in her mind was kind of admitting to her own jealousy and stuff. Uh, and I think Brina, even though she was only in the show for a little bit, really pulled it off. However, the biggest surprise for me is one Mr. Dave. Let's go. Dave. This no, no. He, okay, no, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. She, I, I remember this happening. Like, she watched the episode. She realized suddenly that it was Dave Trosco. She comes in the chat. She's like, Dave. <laughs> all I literally scream whenever we talk about Dave Trosco is I just scream Dave in all caps. Because there's one of two. There's only two interactions with Dave Trosco watching him act. And having him go on Twitter being like, can you please watch my show that I'm directing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think the best part is because um, I think because we were having that little chat and you were freaking the hell out because it was Dave and you didn't believe it. I think I screen capped that, that And you that put it on chat. Twitter and everybody's I like, what show are you him, And he's like, what are you talking about? What show? And I'm like, well, I can't really say. I don't know say much. it. So guess what, Trosco? It's this fucking one. <laughs> surprise! Um, surprise! I scream, you scream, we all scream for Dave! Ouch. <laughs> we love you, Dave. I, I, we, we love we you. We love you, Trosco. But here's my thing. If anybody's wondering why I could not piece that together, it's Trosco. Um, do you guys ever have this moment where, like, no matter whatever the, uh, this actor does, he is always one character in your mind? Oh, yeah. Kind of, yes. But I know where you're going with this. The only thing I ever pictured Dave Trusco being 
is Gurren from Seraph of the End. I <laughs> don't know why, mistake. but it's only Gurren. And if you've never watched Seraph of the End, the only thing that should fuck Gurren is life. <laughs> I mean, you're fuck not this wrong. character. Jesus, uh, take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Lilac, um, take the mic. Take it from right, right, Take right, it right, from right. this podcast. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Stop podcast it. podcast on my own. Stop Noah. it, stop it. Noah. <laughs> All right. So... Do you to kind to of make concert? this short and sweet, I did enjoy all of them. They were all fun performances in their own way, and they matched the personality of these their respective characters wonderfully. The only one I have a slight issue with is probably Ian. The only reason why I say this, and similar to the reason why Megan was maybe iffy on it, was not probably not just the fact that it was an obvious casting to make it sound like a third year, but, and this is going to be very rare that I say this because it's Ian Sinclair. I feel like the voice felt a little too old for the character. <gasps> really? Harlot! Yes! Whore! Yeah. Interesting. Like, Traitor! But, like, I mean, I, like you, you do realize that most of the actors at Funimation aren't actually in high school, right? You're ruining the illusion. Shut up. You're going to be killed by the dumb No, mafia. no, even even like, then. Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, no, truth no, be told, I agree with Lilac on this one, but yeah. I'll have my opinions later. Yeah, because, um. No, if like, you if say you're that, looking, you know if you're that, looking, like. If you're looking at, like, all the other people who are in this, in this group here, I would say all of them, save for Ian and maybe Dave Trosko, all of them are in the same age range. But I, I, and it kind of makes sense that even though maybe mid late twenties at, at oldest maybe early thirties, it makes sense because I mean there are shows that deal with high school where you have that age range playing those characters. Let's face it, it's facts of life here. But in Ian's case, it's one of those weird rare occurrences where I enjoyed the performance. I think the performance is fine. But compared to some of the other characters in the show, the voice itself just seemed a little too old for the character. Okay, fair enough. And it, it like I, to, to take you out of the illusion that you're watching a high school uh, dramedy. Only for like maybe a split second. By the way, and Noah, then I was able if... to go with it. Okay. Yeah. By the way, Noah, if you if you ruin the illusion that none of these actors are actually in high school. You know that like a car is gonna roll up with like Mike McFarland, Chris Sabat, <laughs> J. Michael Tatum, and Ian They got like brass knuckles. And they're gonna and like they, they've got like ma- they've got like they've got like those cheap bad anime masks from like fucking like the ho- the the Halloween spirit Halloween, and they're gonna beat you over the pe- beat you over the head. Oh my with god! A bag full of microphone covers, c- c- and they're gonna stuff you in a body pillow and throw you into a river in Michigan. Yeah, could, could they at the very least put put on like the masks from like the characters from Dead Man Wonderland and like you know make it a no you don't deserve that oh, <laughs> just like you don't deserve the big tall barone don't... <laughs> don't don't watch Neo Yokio people no do, do watch Neo Yokio kids you are we <laughs> anyway but yeah other other than my small small nitpick with Ian um, I think all of them are rather solid I'm just gonna keep it short and sweet to the point honestly. Fair enough. All right, Roots. Um, largely, I agree with you. 
<laughs> I hate to say it. I, I want okay. to be kind of original in my opinion, but like all of my things have been said. Um, actually, I mean, originality. So remember, guys, if you that? find roots like hung over some moose antlers, we all know who killed them. <laughs> Uh, honestly, an interesting observation, though, with um, Ian Sinclair. Kind of glad okay. you brought up that he did sound too old, because um, at his panel at AFES, he did mention that he doesn't like playing high school kids anymore because he feels he's out of his uh, game. I but, I'm forgot sorry. that he said he that. He is out of his age range. I forgot he said that. Well, I mean, I Over, so... he, can play, he can still play some high school oh, looking right, right, characters. Right. Well, Absolutely. I mean, no yeah. one's going, no one, I, I, I'm pretty sure we can all agree, those of us who've seen the show Survamp, that Ian Sinclair was the shining star of Servamp, but Lawless looks I like mean, a Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, his very first leading role was as the teacher from Bamboo Blade, so, you know, already starting off with being a little too old for high school sounding. And I, th and I, I actually kind of, now that you say that, because I forgot... Again, that kind of links into maybe around the time that the dub went into production. But that's, again, that's going to be a conversation that I'm probably going to bring up when we talk about Odiki in a little bit. But Okay. So, so just to anyway. wrap it up. But um, no one, I, no I one's really getting... liked Micah Solsad as the little shitlord. Um, I didn't know that was Dave Drosko either. Like, Eve. Oh my god. Dave! Oh, the only reason I knew is because I knew the cast list. I'm like. Where is like, Dave? Is this Dave's character? This is Dave's character. <laughs> I had forgotten about the cast list when I was watching this. Because I, I yeah, literally... Yeah, I, I watched this, like, months after. I literally burned through the entire, uh... The entire second 20. core, like, last... All of today. Wow. Bravo. So you basically did the same thing that Megan did with marathoning ping pong all in one day. Except for I marathon, like, most of ping pong in a day. <laughs> Yeah, like the entire 11 episodes of the second core and like five episodes of the first last night. Because that Damn. that power outage last week kind of really threw off my yeah. scheduling. Yeah, we, we, we were originally, well, at the time of recording it right today, we were, actually we were supposed to record, to record it last week, but, but uh, no, two weeks ago. Maine had power outages, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Oh, no, two weeks ago. Almost two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, actually. Maine had power outages, ladies and gentlemen, so we couldn't really do it. <laughs> yeah, and if we if we couldn't do it tonight and Lilac didn't have to work that next morning, we were actually going to almost end up recording this on my birthday. Woo! Because it's kind of a dub talk tradition that we try to record something on my birthday. I mean, at this <laughs> point, it's become that, yes. I mean, at this point, I'm going to try to wrangle up a, a show that you're not on with me that we can record, but uh, <laughs> somebody hasn't bought me fucking Flying Witch yet, so are we good to move on? It's going on sale next week. Keep your pants on. You don't yeah, know that. So, yes, yeah. I do. You don't, no, you get, don't. You don't get Sentai's email list, do you? No, I do. I just don't check it. Check it. Because I'm at work nine times out of ten, Noah. Sentai and, uh, is going full Oprah on us this Black Friday. The only major opinion I have other than that is um, I actually kind of liked um, Afia more in the uh, in like the Shrine Maiden standalone episode than her actual <clears throat> her actual role the, in the uh, the Kanye Festival arc. Did she okay. sound different? I didn't notice a change in voice. No, but you got a little bit more of a sense of her personality and all that. It... Well, I guess so. Anyway, are we all ready to move on to the next yes. arc? What's, yes. What's our fortune, Megan? Read our fortune. Our fortune is that we're going to talk about the one arc I believe everybody likes the least. <laughs> or at least somebody does. 
And that is going to be the Class 2F film ending arc. This takes up, I believe, episodes like 7 through 11. Too many. It takes up too many episodes. It's like, it's yeah, like five yeah. episodes. It's a, it's a pretty decent art, uh, chunked arc in which the main four have been tasked by the class representative of Class 2F to figure out how to end their movie. But it turns out to be all a ruse that the character of Irisu Fuyumi uses Oreki against himself to make her own class look better. So in this, we have the three detectives that Class F put together. Tomohira Haba, Naka, uh, Nakajo Junya, and Misaki Sa Sawakiguchi. There is Eba Kura uh, Kurako. Kura, K-U-R-A, not K-U-R-O. Kurika, who is kind of like the secretary. And of course, one Irisi Fuyumi, who is Chitanda's friend and the daughter of the family that runs all of the hospitals in town. So, so Tomohi uh, Tomohira is voiced by one Damon Mills. Nakajo is voiced by Alejandro Saab. Misaki is voiced by Sarah Wiedenhaft. Iba is voiced by Jade Saxton. And Irisu is voiced by Alexis Tipton. Damon Mills, you will know him from Nanbaka, Yuri on Ice, and the Royal Tutor. Alejandro Saab, you will also know for Nanbaka with his husband bro, Damon. <laughs> Akiba's Trip, and Kiss Him, Not Me. Sarah Wiedenhef, you will know for series such as Grimgar, Ashes and Illusions. She has recently been announced in Dragon Ball Z Super and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, another Kyoto animation series. Eba is voiced by, uh, Jace, like I said, voiced by Jade Saxon, who you know for a series such as Token Rambu Hanamaru, Fairy Tale, and Michiko and Hachin. And Alexis Tipton, you will know from series such as Soccer Request, Show by Rock, and Seraph of the Ed. So, who would like to go first with Class 2F? Just pick someone else from me, please. Crickets. Cricket. I guess I'll go first. Thank you. I'm gonna take. Okay. You pick me first. Bueller. I pick. I pick myself. Damon. Uh, Damon uh, does a pretty good job playing this guy. Uh, after talking to him, I needed a shower. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it also proves that Damon Mills is in fact actually a voice acting wizard who probably sold his soul to Satan. Um, I mean, you're not. He's wrong. a nice guy though. Oh. But he's a great guy. But I feel. I really feel like out of the three, he was kind of the best one of them. He was very much not what I was used to. Like I said, I needed a goddamn shower after I listened to talk to him. Like he, uh, Alejandro, he's a kind of greasy blood everywhere guy, right? Yeah, he's the one yes. where it's like, she only made me ask me to make a little bit of blood. But here, take this entire bottle full of fake blood for your trouble. Yeah, you slight, con slight context. The three detectives that are called in are also like, they have kind of like positions in terms of um, production. Yeah, with, Damon's was... with Damon's character, I believe he was the prop master. He yeah. was. I forget what Alejandro's was. Alejandro was the assistant director. But Alejandro was the assistant director. Assistant yeah. director. And, and Sarah was the, was, um, was the PR was like rep. PR. PR, yeah, she's she's basically what Andrew is. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> Andrew's our PR but, person? Oh, we're in trouble now. <laughs> so that's it's a either him or Sneebs going by Sneebs' ability to hand out business cards. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's a good point. I mean, Sneebs won a, a B by getting rid of all of our cards and then some. <laughs> 
Sneebs wormed his Sneebs wormed his way into a fucking hotel room. I don't know how it worked, and it wasn't ours. <laughs> I owe that guy a drink next time I meet him. I owe him a suplex. <laughs> I would pay good money to see that. I would probably break. All right, it. come it here, Sneebs. Wait, hold a second. Let me just soup. Sneebs. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna suplex him. I'm gonna suplex him back across the border. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Nakajo, uh, Alejandro does a good job playing Nakajo, who's kind of the big dumb meathead of the three. Um, which I've I've not. Well, I guess I haven't watched a lot of shows where Alejandro is a big meathead because, fun fact, I'm not that far into Nanbaka. You need Me to neither, fix that, and I need to fix it. One, you that. need to fix that, and two, that's when a terrible comparison. When it comes out video, okay? No, no, well, you know, no. One, you, no, I'm not just saying you have to fix that, but two, that is a wrong comparison. I'll tell you okay, why. Okay, he's not a meathead. He's not the meathead. That Uno is Green. not a meathead. That was Jared Green. Um, you yes. need to fi- you need to watch that show by, say with me, everyone, Happy fucking New Year! <laughs> God damn it. We're not talking about Rico and Hyoka, though, because no. he was in it. That's the only line of the um, show I know, sorry. Happy just because every New Year Jamal every year since last year Jamal oh, there's only been one New Year since last year. God. <laughs> Our sense of time is thrown out of a loop right now, guys. Uh, I mean, I've been up since five thirty. We went back in time to twenty twelve for the show, anyway. So yeah, screw time. <laughs> do, do, do. Anyway, Megan. Um. Anyway, uh, I think Alejandro did a decent job. I would say out of the three, he's maybe the weakest of them. Okay. Um, but saying that he's weak in this show is not, like, necessarily a totally negative thing, because this is, a, again, an all-around really strong dub. Um, Sarah as Misaki was something I actually didn't expect. Uh, because mostly when I think of Sarah, we didn't have characters outside of Toru and her dragon-sized thirst. D is um, for dragon! Again, D is for damn, Daniel! <laughs> <laughs> You better what? put that picture up when I do that. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. There's a picture of Toru that somebody posted on the Funimation Discord. From Dragon Maid. And you remember that old meme that's like, damn, Daniel? Yeah, I know what you're and talking about there. it's Toru doing that, and it goes, the D is, D is for damn, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> to which I would now really like Sarah Whedon have to do that in her Toru voice. Wow. <laughs> how is she as Misaki? <laughs> Great, actually, because I'm used to her playing Chihuahua humans. Um, like, like her character, Shiharu and Ruby. Uh, so her being kind of this snarky little bitch, <laughs> like this snarky, excitable little bitch, because face it, in the Valentine's Day episode, she's kind of a dick. Yeah, um, just a yeah you're right. Yeah. About not getting chocolates because she's a thirsty hoe who doesn't know how to put her hair up and she made the Gordon Ramsay cry. Um, <laughs> that cooking episode, my God. The girl made the Gordon Ramsay cry. Don't if that put if that plate was any more burned, it'd be the Elric brothers' house. Oh, oh god! Oh no! Oh no! I mean, that thing was so beaten; it looked like CL before he made the contract with Sebastian. Oh, god. How many burned references can you make? Oh boy. That thing was so charred, it looked like the Winchester's mom. <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough. Anyway, uh, Eba, Eba was, Jade was very good as the kind of quiet secretary girl, but the standout performance in all of these people, and one of the most standout performances in the show, is Alexis Tipton as Irisu. 
because when I think of Electus Tipton, I think of characters like her character in Soccer Request, like Choo Choo, uh, very upbeat, happy characters. And here is Irisu, who is a manipulative, conniving bitch. Yeah. But but you have to admire that. And it's so well done. But remember like, the rules that she laid out for how to get what she wants. Yeah, and here's the thing is that Alexis, her voice really captured that. Because I feel like if this character wasn't acted as well as it was, you could really lose that sense of how manipulative she is. Um, and it's why when Oreki yells at her, that that scene plays out so well and it's honestly one of my favorites in the entire show um but i've talked way too much and i'm gonna get back to that when we get to oriki so i'm gonna pass it on okay all right you know what i'll i'll take second man um all right moving down the list uh yeah damon mills (laughs) we're talking about him a lot this year aren't we uh i mean yes (laughs) for good reason I, I mean, I can't complain. He's 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 a voice acting wizard, playing an old man in Yuri on Ice. To <laughs> something I actually can't talk about because we are talking about it later on. Um, I really like that he's also now showing that he can play like the greasy, creepy dude. Just like <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and do it well, too, like, distinctly. Yeah, do it very, very well and distinct. Like, did, you guys said that you had for, kind of forgotten about the cast list while you were watching part of the show. Did you recognize that it was Damon when you heard the character? Nope. No, not I at all. I didn't recognize any of the three. Not even Sarah? Not even I Sarah. I kind of recognize Sarah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not yeah. really all that great with new Funimation dubs, so... Yeah. Okay. But um, I, I like Alejandro as the meathead. I like Sarah Whedon have this sort of the, sort of the bubble, uh, bubbly and kind of has a conniving side to her later. Um, bitch. <laughs> nice. Uh, I really a bitch. didn't hear enough of Jade to have really an accurate impression of her. But um, I do, I do have kind of a weird complaint about Eerie Sue. Because it's, okay. it's something I have a complaint about with other shows, and that's kind of using that theatrical enunciating every word voice for, like, the mean girl character. For some reason, I'm just not a huge fan of that, because it, it just doesn't sound natural to me. <clears throat> I know you're trying to you're trying to make them sound a little more sophisticated and, and all that, but it, it just doesn't come off as... A way somebody would naturally speak. Even somebody of, you know, higher social standing. Do you think it would have more believability if this wasn't a character in high school? If she was, like, say, maybe in college? Maybe a little. Maybe, yeah, maybe college when you, you know, when she maybe joins, like, the theater club and becomes, becomes a theater kid. I, I can only imagine what this girl's going to be like when she gets out into the real world. <laughs> she, she, she's, she's rich. She doesn't have to. She doesn't have to deal about that. She, she's gonna be president in a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, prime minister. This is no, no. I mean, she will be the president of the world. That's a terrifying thought, isn't it? Yep. 
Is it really, though? But she's going to fix our opioid problem, so it's all going to be good. And <laughs> our movies are going to be good again, so we have nothing to worry about. All right. Are you Are you all set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all set. <laughs> I was to say, I'll just steer this conversation right, right. back in here. Yes, please. So, so with Jade, her character, I'm going to agree her character wasn't around long enough for, Millie, for me to get a sense of it, but I think she was fine with what she was given. Uh, the, the three detectives of this group, they each reminded me of a previous role somehow. So, for some reason, Damon... His character reminded me of his character of Tsukigaki Day. Because I wanted to punch the motherfucker in the face. Because it was so good. I was going to say, I can't say the other character reminded me of. I'm only going to say the nickname we gave him on the Discord. Um, so if you've watched the show and you watch this episode, you'll figure out who it is. Reminded me of Stripper Vicious. Um, that's all I'll say. I need context. Uh, uh, I will give it to you after recording. Uh, I'm going to learn later. Pull the jaw free. Uh, let's see. Alejandro actually reminded me of his meathead character from Honda Kun. That's where I. That's where I'm thinking of Alejandro Sabas. And then Sarah reminded me of her character in Orange. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what she reminded me of. But I haven't yeah. finished Orange. And I, I need to actually. I'm orange. not allowed to finish orange. It's a I'm actually I'm actually barred from finishing orange at this point. But but First you gotta I finish will... red. Then you can finish orange. Stop it! Get out. Get out of my fucking podcast. <laughs> you can't quit you can't fire me. I quit. No, but I can fucking fire you if I want to now. Sit down! Yes, mom. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I, I can agree that all three of them did very well, and similar to Megan, out of the three of them, I think Alejandro is probably among one of the weaker performances, but only in a rather solid to strong dub, and saying he's probably one of the weaker performances isn't saying a lot, because the dub in general is rather good. Uh, I just have to be nitpicky somewhere. And then we have Alexis, whom I don't hear her play these kinds of characters that often or enough, in my opinion. And while... I do see where Ruth's coming from in terms of the manner of speaking and how it may come off in a different way than what you probably intended. I still, I still do enjoy a performance. Oh, absolutely! Um, not only, not only again because it's very different than what you normally see Alexis as. Because nine times out of ten, or eight times out of ten, she's usually these peppy, energetic characters, and seeing her something. Play something that's a bit more calm, cool, and collected. A little bit manipulative. It's very different. A little bit. Shut up. It's a little bit. Shut your face. Let ha me finish my words. Hashtag Arisu did nothing wrong. Let me finish my words. I I enjoy her performance for what it is because again, it's very different than what we're usually used to her used to seeing her do. And I, it's one of those things where it's like I kind of wish you would play more roles like this honestly but yeah you 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 don't want to hear her be sunsetto from uh, my bride as a mermaid more often i haven't seen my bride as a mermaid so <gasps> tisk, tisk. i cannot say i haven't seen it either so bite uh, me I, yeah well, I, wouldn't I do haven't that. either what's wrong with you okay fine apparently everything is wrong with us everything is wrong with you Actually, no, I'm not going to steal from everyone because I uh, I really did like these characters. and But I will agree with you all in that Alejandro's 
uh, portrayal of Nakajo is the weakest, but I'm not going to chalk that up to bad acting. I'm actually going to chalk that up to uh, they gave him like uh, they forced some of the dramatic readings of uh, his lines to the point that it sounded less believable as a high school student. And it just it kind of clashed with the tone that I think they were going for, because this whole arc is really weird in that. The reason that they draw, they suck in the four main characters to quote-unquote solve the mystery of this is because their writer for this movie has come down sick and they're not finished filming it yet. They haven't finished, gotten an ending to it yet. But in the back of your mind as a viewer, you're thinking to yourself, well, why don't they just ask the writer? Like, she can't be so deathly sick that she can't tell them how what the ending is supposed to be. So we got to go through these long multi-episode processes where the three other detective characters try to guess what the ending is was supposed to be like okay did they go into the house and who killed the the character here or like did she like get hung out a window or did someone like jam a knife into her or what happened to the character but putting that aside yeah the three detective characters they they fill their their tropes pretty well um alejandro's uh, it's you know it's the weakest but it's also uh a necessary uh bigger guy or character Evil. yeah it, it's necessary um, and yeah, Damon is absolutely uh, glorious as the the guy's like, nah, nah, man, nah, that ain't enough blood. We we gotta get more blood, man. We got I, I've got more in my car. Morty, Morty, we need more oh, blood. I, got, Morty, Morty, I've got more. It's it, 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 this is how much a human bleeds. I know. I've got experience like that kind of character. <laughs> it, it, it's good. It, it's good. And I'm I I'm kind of scared if we could get him to do that in other roles, meaning that someone else actually has shows with this character in it, but. Yeah, good job. All I know is tonight we learned that Noah can do a creepy Morty or a creepy Rick impression. <laughs> Every Morty impression like is creepy. David Mills's character is like a kid Christopher Lee. It really is. Like you, you heard the story right <laughs> about him on the uh, on the set of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, not about him on the set. No, what did he like, do? He had to give Peter Jackson a lecture on what a person sounds like when you stab them in the back because he had to do no. that in Obviously World War II. Oh, I forgot. I think someone did explain that to me. Like... Nah, 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 Peter. Nah, Peter, this is what a motherfucker sounds like when you fucking stab him in the back. I'm Christopher Lee. Why is Christopher Lee from Boston now? Like, he's, he's a bad the guy. <laughs> the guy's not even American. Wait, is he American? Like, I'm Mark Wahlberg. Go see! I forget. Independence Day! I forget. The Departed! The Departed! I forget. <laughs> the po point is that Damon Dunn did good job. Right, right. Okay, yeah, and, and Sarah, like I was saying earlier, uh, she was the one who I, I instantly recognized was her. Um, I think it, she's just been in cast a lot recently, so I like I just catch her voice in whenever she's in something, and that's not a bad thing at all. Um, I love how her character like comes up, gives a little salute, and goes like, Ciao, ciao! And just looking at her hair design, like, you people, She's Annie you viewers, material. look at that hair. Look at that hair design. That, There's so many places to grow. That is a woman who has yet to come out of the 80s. We have got to let the 80s die, get her a normal hair job. Flock of Seagulls is not a hairstyle to be emulated. All right, let, let's speed this up a little bit. But yeah, so Sarah Dunn did good. The, the three mains did good. Jade, I was glad, uh, did as well as she did because that particular role is a lot, like you guys said, she's a bit quieter. That could have been a bit of a boring role. That could have been like an uh, almost flat, uninteresting portrayal, but it's Jade Saxton. She knows how to do that uh, quieter voice while still being interesting to listen to. So yeah, it's kind of like an example of why Jade 
is one of the best in the business. She can take even a minor character and keep it from being boring. But of course, we have to talk about the lead uh, manipulator of the whole thing, Alexis Tipton. And I'm actually going to counter slightly your complaints about her overemphasizing anything. Not because she doesn't do it, because she does do that, but because she chooses to do it in different parts of the show. When she's talking to the characters uh, as a group, and she's addressing them, she's got like this uh, almost outward persona, like, I am a representative of the prestigious film club, and I'm going to speak to you as a higher elevated position who needs your help. But when we get her alone, and she's talking, she has scenes where she's talking directly to uh, Oreki in the tea shop, which is weirdly directed, by the way. They have, like, really weirdly well-animated tea, but that's not the point. She, like, she drops the persona, and she starts getting much more personal, like, uh, almost like a seductress, and starts talking about how I knew when I saw you that you were special. Only you are the one who can save this movie. You may think that you're normal, but you are actually have something that no one else has, a special power to solve mysteries. We need your power! Like, really hamming it up there. And I like that she actually differentiates her acting style based on what she needs, which is exactly how a manipulator works. They change their persona based on who they're around and what they want to get. Yeah, so um, Alexis, I'm really proud of you on this one. Um, you definitely made this arc, which, like we can all admit, was probably the weakest, uh, was the, the hardest one to marathon. Uh, definitely interesting. Every moment where she was on screen describing, like, you know, in any moment was really good. And I'm almost, uh, I'm almost sorry that in the scenes where she's typing with the scriptwriter, that they didn't actually dub that in and they just kept it as on-screen text only. I don't think she was actually typing with the scriptwriter. I think she was actually typing to Tomoe. Is that who it was? Yeah, I think it's Tomoe. I could it, see the the text was going by so quickly. I, I missed who she's yeah, talking it's, to. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's made to be purposely left ambiguous. But I will actually check for you. It wasn't. Well, it wasn't ambiguous. Like you could tell what they were talking about. I just couldn't quite tell who she was talking but to. But the, the person who it's supposed to be. Well, well, yeah, because the description, the, the usernames aren't the actual names of the people. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of wish they'd done the do-ra-ra-ra thing where uh, they voice out their uh, on-screen text. Yeah. But that, that's just me. So, so yeah, to wrap this all up, uh, frustrating to get through as an arc because if you even rub your brain together for two seconds, you realize that they're all being manipulated. But for all that, still really good acting performances all around. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, to, to move on, uh, the first arc of the show, the Hyoka arc, is essentially this. Um... Eru Chitanda's uncle has been missing for a, a certain amount of time. Seven years. And for Japanese, seven years. Uh, so for Japanese law, uh, he is officially dead. I don't even think it's just Japanese, because you remember... I think it's law. In um, uh, Batman Begins, uh, they actually declared Bruce dead, because they say he's been gone for seven years. I've never watched Batman Begins, because I don't like... I've, I've never watched him because I don't like Christopher Nolan. Were you not a high, Were you not a teenager in 2005? I was like, what... 2005 was like, what, 12 years ago? We're the exact same age, Megan. You were 15. How old are you? I was born in 1990. Oh, yeah, so I was... Yeah, no, also, one, I was scared of the Batman movies back then. Two, I don't like Christopher Nolan movies. Okay, fair. Um, but essentially, he's been declared dead, and Chitando wants to remember a moment that her uncle said that was so powerful that it made her cry. And she got so upset that her mother came in. 
And she doesn't want to face her family until she realizes this at his funeral. So essentially they go, and I believe also she, uh, Hotaru's sister also asks them. We'll find out what this is all about. Uh, so essentially we, you eventually learn that uh, Chitanda's uncle Jun Sekitani was a student at the school and he was the first member of the literature club. And he wrote a story called Hyoka, which literally translates to frozen dessert, or in this translation, ice ice cream. Or a play on words called ice cream. Ice cream. You will never want to look at rabbits the same way again. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, you, you thought Watership Down was bad. Oh. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. No. Actually, Watership Down is probably worse yeah, than this, yeah. but... Um, but essentially, there are only two characters that we are going to talk about in this arc, and that is Itogawa Yoko, who is the librarian at the school, who was also a member of the literature club and wrote the foreword about Jun Sekitani and was there for, in fact, the events that unfolded, which were his expulsion as scapegoat. And the second character is, in fact, Tomoe Oreki, who is Oreki's older sister, who is never actually seen Besides from her face below her mouth down. Well, we see her from the back of the head when she actually visits the school. But the point is that they go... You never see her Yeah, face. they go full nanny from Muppet Babies and never show her face. Itagawa Yoko is played by Linda Young. And Tomoe Oreki is played by Caitlin Glass. Linda Young you'll know from series such as Yu Yu Hakusho, Dragon Ball Z, and My Bride is a Mermaid. And Caitlin Glass you'll know from series such as Full Metal Alchemist, Attack on Titan, and The Vision of Escaflone. Um, I guess I'll go first with these because I'm going to make this really quick. Uh, Linda Young was really great at her part of the story, playing an older woman, kind of looking at, I guess, a little bit the sins of her past because she was part of the crowd that turned their back on Sekitani that uh, eventually led to him being expelled from high school and why the whole series kind of gets to start in the first place, uh, writing Hyoka, which is this kind of awful, horrible story in... To be fair, the Hyoka arc is the highlight of all the three major arcs in this series, and it's kind of awful that it's the first one <laughs> in terms of placing and uh, plot and placing. It, it was, uh, but Linda, it, it mean, Linda Young did really well. Um, I think that she did great. Um, she played a really great older uh, older woman character. It's kind of great to hear Linda Young in things because you don't always um, hear her. And then Caitlin Glass as Tomoe, she really got this older sister trickster kind of mentor character. Because here's the thing with Tomoe, you don't get to see her body. You only have to go by her vocal performance. That is and incorrect. You see her body, you never see her face. See her face. The shower scene. You never see her face, but you only see her body in very not center of frame type of things. She's not the focal point. I don't quite know why they did that as the thing. Like, yeah. what was the purpose of making her so I, mysterious? I think it was... I think it was to kind of, like... She was kind of like this weird trickster mentor, I guess, to Oriki. I don't really understand her. But I did like Caitlyn's performance a lot. I think she really got that older sister voice and that trickster kind of voice. And I honestly wouldn't mind getting to hear Caitlyn Glass play another trickster-like character like this. It just sucks that Tomoe, after a while, kind of faded into the background. Well, she's... Um, I kind of wish she was in the show more than she was. Well, she was, like, not... She was never prevalent in the show. Um, it, like, she seems to pop up... But her presence was they, they make sure... Like, they've got a quota. Like, we have to make sure that we insert her every four episodes or so. 
That actually yeah. sounds accurate. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, so he's like, <laughs> I like how uh, in um, one part of the Hyoka arc, they're actually, um, uh, they're, they're kind of stuck. Like, they don't know where to go with the mystery. And then she, like, she calls up, uh, she, um, yeah, I'm blanking on names here, on Oreki, just calls him up, gives him a clue accidentally, and then's like, oh, I gotta go now, bye. Like, the whole show would have just ended right there if she hadn't at that moment given a convenient clue to the mystery. Yeah. Deus ex machina. No, Deus ex tomoe. Absolutely. Deus, Deus ex tomoe. Right. Um. I guess. Uh, can I? Next? I guess I'll go next. Yeah. Go All ahead. right. So, uh, uh, yeah, tomoe. Uh, it's the. Um, I, I've noticed this seems to be a trope. The trope of um, in anime, older character, older sister character who happens to also be a. Uh, globe trotter like I'm, we're seeing this more and more like we saw this in, with the bigger sister in hero man we saw this with the big sister in flying witch we saw this with the big sister now in hyoka it's like i don't know why that's such a prevalent characteristic but you know what i don't mind because caitlin played that really well it's like the kind of older sister who's still finding her place in the world not gonna settle down anytime soon and you know what that's okay because she's having fun and living life and we enjoy watching her live life so yeah, really good on Caitlyn. And as for Linda Young, it's a nice contrast to have one adult character, because I think this is the only adult character we're actually talking about in the show. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, she gets, uh, the big moment she gets is um, her. she gets to speak, like, almost a monologue about basically describing what happened to um, uh, Era's uncle all those years ago. Um, and this is, like, after episodes and episodes upon theorizing what had happened to him. So... Her, her naturally, um, uh, it's not really husky, it's it's more like a silky older woman voice, comes through really well, and it's a nice contrast to all the high school age characters that we've been hearing up to that point. That, that's, I can't criticize it, really. It, it's it's an archetype that works well, and both of them do their jobs well. I wish I had Caitlin Glass as my own older sister. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say on that. Take it away, Dr. Roots. All right, yeah. I um I really did like Caitlin Glass as sort of the the playful trickster older sister, but um in particular, Linda Young, yeah that's a name I haven't heard in a long long time. <laughs> which which I'm really glad to see because she's like one of those voices from the early Funimation days. I I Lord Frieza. I, I really miss hearing her in things because she she kind of disappeared for a little while. Uh, I don't know about that. I I personally haven't heard her in like many many years. But then I'm again, the... I I'm well, not that's because not... great with new Funimation dubs, so I may be wrong on this. That's because none of you watch My Bride Is a Mermaid. <laughs> Dub, no, but it's it's new. It's newer than Dragon Ball Z and Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, well, it's probably, still a, better show than, it's probably a better show than Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're not wrong. We, we could get into it, but no, we won't. We won't get into it. <laughs> but I I really like that monologue where she tells a story about <clears throat> Sekitani. Yeah, about Sekitani and his expulsion and all that. It. Honestly, if you if you only want to watch five episodes of Hyoka, just stop like right after that because it's honestly if you want to see some peak ass animation, that is some gorgeous animation. Mm-hmm. Right there. The whole show has some gorgeous animation. 
You're not Sakuga. wrong, but those first few episodes are just magnificent. All right, so just just to push things along, I'll I'll move things over to Lilac. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's I'm bad. see. You think they both sucked, right? No. <laughs> they suck. They're you the suck. worst thing in the world. They no. suck on eggs. Worst voice acting ever. No, no, no. Legit though. Um, I did enjoy both of them. I'm kind of in Camp Noah, where I wish Caitlin Glass was my older sister. <laughs> We can she share. plays. She plays the spunky, energetic, and rather yes. lively older sister, despite not us ever seeing her face, which is the depressing part. Um, but show us the goods, Keo Annie. Come on, Keo Annie. Let's, let's go. But um, I really liked Caitlyn as Tomoe, uh, being this counter counteractive point and this contrast to Oriki, who is. Uh, let's face it, he's a lazy good for nothing. <laughs> let's face it. But Caitlin plays a wonderful contrast to Oriki. And then Linda Young, as one of the few adults that we hear in the show, who has an interesting presence in the show, I think she did a phenomenal job. She not only played this mentor figure rather well, but I, I also have to admit that her recounting the story was... Her recounting the story on top of the animation and the writing for the show, I think it was very well done. Just that whole combination, I think her retelling that story is probably the high point for Linda Young's performance in, in the show. But yeah, both of them are really good. I like them both. Yeah. Alright, so... Are we good to move on? Yes. Uh, I think that's all the characters. I don't think there's any more characters in the cast to nice talk about. Nice try. Just have four to go. Nice try. Nice try. Nice try, you lazy I've bomb. got a, a do- I, I got a cheesecake in the oven that you'll eat. I, I'm at pretty sure you need something burn. in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's let it burn. Just like the Elric's house. It's chocolate no. chip. Let all your cheesecake burn. You are not invited <laughs> to my birthday. Don't forget, you're here forever. Anyway, moving on to best girl. Um, fight me. You're not uh, wrong. Mayaka Ibara. You're not wrong. Yeah. Mayaka Ibara is a member of the light... Uh, classic lit- Wow, <laughs> I called them the light novel club. <laughs> no. They're classy. They, they are a classy establishment. Are you smacking yourself right now? No! <laughs> <laughs> Megan, Megan, come back. I slobbered up myself. Oh. <laughs> I mean, good she's a good job. girl, but she's not that good. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. First of all, I do not want a trip to the Taco Bell tonight. <laughs> second. Hey, buddy. We're going Second on. of all. Any, second of all, that first Anyway, Ibra. Anyway, besides that, Ibra prefers Satoshi's hot dog. Um, Stop it. <laughs> They're high schoolers. Let them be. You walked into that. She made him Valentine's chocolate. That basically means they're married in anime terms. Anyway, Ibra is a member of the Classic Lit Club as well as the Manga Club. She is the straight man to kind of everybody's bullshit next to Oraki. And she's kind of the um, the down-to-earth person. If you do the four temperaments ensemble, she's the cloric. And she's the cynic, and I believe when they did the uh, tarot card motifs, she is the justice. 
which is connection to objectivity, desire for truth, reflecting Mayaka's own personality and position. Uh, so Mayaka is played by Jill Harris, who you can hear in series such as Brave Witches, Overlord, and she's some D minus, she's a, some like F minus tier waifu named Ifumi or some shit in New Game. Um, I mean, uh, Megan, Megan. I mean, that Mike McFarlane truck is going to be pulling up right outside your house as soon as we're done recording. Just so you know. Correction, if I'm correction, if I'm insulting New Game openly, we all know that. Say <laughs> 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 if she's insulting New Game. If she's insulting New Game. I'm sorry. It's Cliff who's going to be rolling up here in a second. And we never heard from Megan again. So, well, I suppose we're gonna Jill keep... Harris! Jill Harris is Ibra. Uh, yeah. Take it away. <laughs> no, it's nope, you're this you're done for. So so uh sin, so uh uh, Noah, did you want to go first with your thoughts on Jealous Ibra? Well, I might as well do that just to keep the conversation going. Yeah, because Megan's, Megan's not going to be here anymore. Cliff that, kind of took care right. of that. A moment of silence for Megan. All right, that's enough. I'm still so here, Jill Harris, all right. <laughs> Jill Harris had a bit of a, almost a, uh, an unprecedented challenge going into this. Not being the manic one, not being the, well, the other manic one, and not being the serious one either, which she could totally do, because we've seen her do that before. But going into something I don't think I've quite heard her do before, and that is the serious portrayal. And this is another one of those roles where it could be done very drab and dry and uninteresting. But Jill has a very uh, enthusiastic, natural speaking voice to it that she manages to pull off her lines without being annoying or, for lack of a better term, bitchy about it. Which I was really glad about because when we first meet her... We were introduced to her as the librarian who hates Oreki. And so I thought, oh, great. So she's going to be like another one of those Sundere characters who just acts like she's angry all the time. But she secretly makes chocolate for everyone at the end of the day. But no, she's got a lot of layers on her. She's, I, I can really relate to her because I don't know if you've seen the character sheet, model sheets of these characters, but she is tiny. She is really, really short, like even by uh, girl anime character standards. And as someone who was also like the shortest person of all, all the way through now, that uh, you do get a sense of being like a little on edge all the time when you're trying to have people take you seriously and they don't because of your height sometimes. So Jill playing that, the, all the flavors of Ibarra, I really bought all of it. And I can't think of like one particular line that was like the best of the best, but just throughout the whole thing. And probably the, the part with uh, talking about the manga club and the relevance of manga criticism was where we see her shine the most. Like, and it's also where she's looking in her room trying to find the copy of, uh, what, what was that manga called? A Corpse by Evening. What was it? Corpse by Evening. Corpse by Evening, thank you. You get to see her full range of, of youthful enthusiasm for something that obviously means quite a bit to her, and that's refreshing to see. Like, the whole main cast, we get to see different flavors of believable high school characters, so... I, lo I love Jill already. Like, this year has been a great year for Jill. Um, so I'm really glad that she got another good leading role out of this. Now, someone dissent and say that they did not like this nearly as much. I ain't gonna do that. Okay. Because cause, cause Jill is lovely. She's a lovely human being, and she has a fantastic performance here. Because um, with Jill, 
I... I think EBITDA is one of the few times where I see Jill playing a rather spunky, outspoken character. Because a lot of Jill's roles that I've seen up until this point... SUCK REQUEST! <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna ignore the dying person in the corner over there. Um... We got. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, I've got another Megan in the closet. We'll get her out at the end of the show. Okay, cool. Um... I mean... Dying Megan, let Lilac speak. Let me let me speak, because I'm tired and I want to go to bed today. Uh, it's very rare. Because Jill has played a lot more of the innocent, quiet characters more than she has these spunky, outspoken ones, ones with like a little bit of an attitude. And Ibada is very interesting, not only in that regard, but... And this kind of goes all around with the four main characters in general, she bounces off these other characters very well. Especially with Satoshi, of course, because her her back and forth with Satoshi, because we're going to get to him in a minute, I think it's some of the best back and forth of the entire show. <laughs> it, it's just so much fun the way that Jill and uh, Satoshi's uh, voice actor get to talk to each other and converse and basically it's either a mix of fighting or snarky banter or I I, I want to be I want to be your uh, your 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 significant other kind of stuff they're, they're an old There's, married couple they are they are they pick up like an old married couple it's great it's basically a lot of those personality traits that Ibada has Jill's able to pull it off phenomenally whether it's her skepticism to her to her curiosity whenever she gets like dragged into stuff by Chitanda, I think Jill just played all of those fun personality traits of Ibada very well, and I enjoyed the performance. Well, okay, there wasn't our dissenter, so Roots, can can you dissent and say anything that went wrong with this performance? Nope. Damn. <laughs> I actually really liked it. I, I liked her banter with Satoshi and uh, Chitanda. I, I like I like the early kind of rivalry she had with Oriki that kind of smoothed out over the course of the show. And um, I gotta say though, her I'm gonna dissent with with Megan because I already know her opinion of uh, <clears throat> of Ibra's defining scene. But, um, it's in the second-to-last episode. Yes! The Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Valentine's Day! Yeah, so, so probably just a little background. If you haven't watched the show yet, the show goes through the three arcs that we talked about, but that still leaves four episodes, I think, at the end. And those like are all like five. four or five standalone episodes that aren't connected to a larger arc. That's where we start to get more character development, because it focuses pretty primarily on just the main four the second to last episode, the Valentine's episode. Oh my god, so much high school angst. Yep. We're damn it, Satoshi. <laughs> I mean, why do you do this to me, no, Satoshi? No, Satoshi. No. He will get his. We'll rake him over the coals in a bit. But Whoa. um, Satoshi, bad Satoshi. Like it. Her defining scene is where she's basically telling Chitanda she basically knew she that Satoshi stole the chocolate she had meant to give to him and 
there's more to that scene that we'll we'll get to when we talk to Satoshi, but it, it's it's just that kind of heartbreak that you can really hear in it. <laughs> Literal heartbreak. Oh, don't oh, do that, no. Noah. Don't do that to me. No, Noah, no. It's funny. No, because... no. No. Literal heartbreak. Noah. Noah, I'm coming stop back it. from the dead to tell you to shut up. Oh. Oh, hi, Megan. How was death? Honestly, I almost cried watching parts of Joe being Ibero. Like, I, I, I straight up almost actually cried during the uh, manga scene. Mm. Because I've been that person and I still kind of am that person that Ibero was. The kind who uh, defies people who think there's no merit into the medium. Yeah, and I feel like Ibero really did did speak to me. And honestly, Jill Harris as Ibero is one of the best performances I've heard on a home video release this year. Oh, I, yeah, I know. Yay! Look at me spoiling one of my potential W's, but fuck it. I don't know when the hell this is coming out. Um. But she really nailed, I think, what the spirit of the character of Ibera is. Um, and I know I said for this I would bring up kind of some of the Seiyu who who did um, Hyoka back about five years ago, just to show you who these character who would play these characters five years ago. Um, Ibera is where the hell did Ibera go on here? Um, are you Ibera? <laughs> Are you Ibra? Are you my there, mommy? Yeah. <laughs> Are you my mommy? No, Ibra is play- Ibra is played by I uh Aya Kanai who is uh Itsua in um a certain magical index. And uh funny funny that I say this to uh, Noah and um to Noah and uh Lilac because she was Menma. Oh god, don't remind me. Oh, she was Menma in the Japanese. No! Full disclaimer to everyone. We are recording the Anohana episode tomorrow. None of us are going to survive that. No, it's going to get heavy real fast. And we discover this earlier today. We're like, fuck. Yeah, I'm not on it. But yeah, no. It. I'm not we're on not it. on it. Good no, you, for you. Guys, you. We're not going to spoil it for you, but you, you have no idea. But I, okay, what is so... I'm going to act... I've never seen Anohana, and I actually plan on yes, watching it when I'm home alone. Don't do it. You un- have to. Don't do it unless you've, like, gotten a raise, been proposed to, and killed your mortal enemy, that you're just that happy. What? Well... What? Don't don't okay, don't watch okay, something. Okay, I I I miss I I. I but I get arrested for that. Okay, anyway. if you kill your moral enemy <laughs> and get away with it, I'm sorry, I should have specified. Oh my god, this isn't Danganronpa. I can't pull that shit. Um, Not with that but attitude. No, I think shut. <laughs> and it all comes full circle. You can't marry your body pillow. Not with that attitude. <laughs> but no, I think she she nailed the spirit of Ibera. And that's, I think, one of the most essential things you can do as somebody who uh, is a dub actor. Because I don't expect her to sound like the the Seiyu at all. I I mean, she can sound close, but she's not going to replicate that voice one for one. But I think she she honestly nailed Mayaka where it counts. She nailed Mayaka's passion. She nailed Mayaka's... Not Mayaka, Mayaka's heartbreak. She nailed Mayaka's... um, kind of weird, odd callousness towards Oriki, but at the same time she also n- nailed when to, when Mayaka backs off Oriki during the film. 
because when she realizes that he fucked up the ending, she doesn't press on with it like another Sundari character would. She immediately drops it. Um, so I really, really appreciate Jill Harris playing this character, and I, I honestly don't think I could imagine anybody else doing it. Um, but everyone, we've talked so long about Mayaka and Jill that I'm gonna wrap it up so that we can move on to Satoshi Fukube. My oh, spirit Satoshi. animal. Oh, Satoshi. You little asshole. Yeah, we, we can't <laughs> no, discover- No, the human database. He's a human database. Human database. Yeah. Uh, and fun fact, I will say this afterwards. Um, but my thing is is this. Uh, Fukube is the human database. He is the jack of all trade, master of none. Uh, but he's also deeply repressing his ability, his desire to be obsessive and win in his, in fact, his love of Ibarra because he doesn't want to be fixated on her for his entire life. Yep. And ruin that chance with her. Uh, but voicing Satoshi Fukube is one Dallas Yay! Reed. <laughs> to which, fun fact, out of all of my predictions, the few predictions I actually did for Hyoka... This was the only one I got right. Oh, ta-da! Okay, you, yeah, gold stars. Yeah, by the stars. way, my 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 Ibarra uh, uh, predictions were uh, Genie and Felicia, but I'm kind of happy I was wrong. wrong. But Dallas Reed, you can hear him in shows such as Token Ranbu Hanamaru, Noragami Argoto, Roots Plug Your Ears. Mm. He's also in that Neto J show. <laughs> <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> so I'll go first since uh, uh, I think Noah should talk about his uh, his uh, Patronus last. <laughs> his Patronus. Um, <laughs> How many references gonna make in this episode? All of Spirit them. animal is not a All term you should use, but anyway. Um, but I think Dallas Reed fucking nailed it. Yeah. Uh, because yes. Fukube could be a character that is fucking obnoxious if not played right. And honestly, this is, again, like Jill Harris, a showing of how the fuck far Dallas has gone as an actor. Um, especially for voice acting. Because, no offense, Dallas used to be the bad harem lead guy. Yeah. And I honestly felt bad for him. Because I always felt he was better than those shows. Deserved. And Fukube is a character, I think, that he got to show off his chops more than a certain other show that is airing that I will not say does. Mm. And if you have not watched Dallas Reed in Hyoka, where he gets to play manic, upbeat, hiding, a uh, happy clown, the, but doctor, I am Puticelli, or whatever the fuck <laughs> that Watchmen reference is. Um, I, I've probably just made every Watchmen fan, like, want to murder. I don't even know how you jump um, to that. My aunt is actually a diehard Watchmen fan and has been since the comics came out in the 70s. You have a very weird family, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah, we know that. My, one of my cousins runs a, is a bassist in a metal band. Yeah. We've gone over yeah, anyway. I, I know. We, we've gone over all your weird relatives. Anyway. Like how you're, okay, yeah. Let's, we'll talk. But no, just to... And even then to kind of just jump into uh, some of the other... His seiyu, Daisuke Sakaguchi, who's played Fukube. Some of the other characters that... Uh, actors who have been matched up to him in English... You have, he was also Japanese jacuzzi, so that means Joel McDonald has done him. He was Leonardo watching BBB, which okay. means that uh, Aaron Dismute could have been a choice if they were going for Seiyu to Seiyu. 
Um, he was Sota uh, Tamadate in Guilty Crown. Uh, he was Yuji Nakata in Bamboo Blade. He's, uh, well, Mishima doesn't count because that's a video game. Uh, but I feel like Dallas really got to show off how much of an actor he is and how many complexities he can get across in his voice. Because, no offense, if you've been sleeping on Dallas Reed, you're kind of a moron. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because let's face it, Satoshi has probably, I think probably some of the most interesting character development in the entire show, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest. And especially, because it really comes into fruition with that second to last episode, the Valentine's Day episode, where he's, because you could tell something has been brewing with him for like several episodes, and now he's finally talking to Oriki about it. And this is a point where he's saying, I don't want to be obsessed with Ibada and revert to my old ways now. I, This isn't what I want to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that confrontation with Odaki on the bridge, I think, personally, I think that's probably the culmination of Dallas's performance as Satoshi as a whole. Like, that one scene that they had, I was like, this is beautiful. Dallas nailed it. Satoshi is a snarky jagoff, but like Megan was saying, it's not annoying because it could easily be played annoying if it went that way. I think that it is perfect. I love it. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I'm out. You, you can't quit. There's two more characters to go. <laughs> well, you're right. I still got to talk about Odaki. My one reason for being here. <laughs> My one true love. My one Oraki. true love, Odaki. <laughs> <laughs> Roots, tell us what uh, what Dallas Reed did that was even more awesome than what Lilac just said. Yeah, mainly, I I like that he was kind of the uh, he was kind of the Joker pretty much the entire series. He kind of lays out the clues that you know he's. He is okay with his mediocrity. And then the Valentine's Day episode hits. Where he kind of explains... Like a fucking freight train! Heartbreak. Where he has to explain why he's rejecting... Why he's rejecting his own feelings. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I can't... Yep. I can't see anybody else do it any better than Dallas... <clears throat> Dallas did. I mean, maybe the Japanese was something equivalent, but this it, it ended up being something special. Okay. Um, I didn't want to uh, step on anyone's feet there because uh, I really can't say anything more than uh, all you people have said because you're all accurate. Uh, all I will say is that I, I feel like Dallas gets this character a little too well. Like, you almost think he had experience being this character because, okay, um, we kind of figured out as, amongst the four of us that all of us kind of represent one of the characters really well. Lilac and Megan are, are, they're kind of both Ibarra, and I am so Satoshi. Like, let me, let me go down the list of things that we're like, we both love cooking, we're both real, really love uh, non-important facts, make ourselves human databases. Um, I also was in a lot of different activities in high school, very much a, a jack-of-all-trades, not really being a master of any of them, but I was okay with that because I just enjoyed doing everything like he has lines about how he likes to stay sunny regardless of his circumstances but it's all kind of almost 
masking something. It is almost therapy hiding the the um, realization that you will have to move on someday. And that is something that I also had to deal with in high school in being, this does not last. Like, you like living in this comfort zone of getting to live life, exp- going to school with friends, having adventures, because very much what these characters go through with the mysteries they solve are their own little adventures. But moving past that is difficult. That That's maturity, and that's difficult to do. And it's kind of especially hard if you like being the joking character who gets his laughs from everyday activities. So Dallas portraying this in a voice that's very different from Oreki, which is good because they not only contrast each other personality-wise, but also voice. Like Dallas gives him almost a, a bit of a drawl, it sounded like. Like uh, Satoshi had almost more of a drawl in his voice than Oreki did. Definitely brought out the, the funner, jokier personality to him. And yeah, I can't really criticize anything about this. It was the ideal casting of this with a Joker with layers to it. Not just a one, no, no personality character, but a complex high schooler who is both fun to be around and also kind of a flaky person because he doesn't get the uh, anthology typed up in time. Well, he almost doesn't get it in time. He uh, bails out on some of his responsibilities. He doesn't go to studying. And like you guys pointed out, worst of all. He gets stressed up as a giant Saturn. (laughs) And that doesn't bug him. That does not bug him. He's totally fine with going around promoting the, uh, it's the astrology club, is it? Or is he just doing it for fun? I I think it's like the handy Yeah, it was like arts and crafts club or something. uh, I forget. Like, I think you kind of see a, a kind of a chink in his armor of all things is, uh, when he's dealing with Micah's character. Yeah. I, I, told, I just realized now, the first ending finally makes sense. The whole uh, astrology Polaris thing, it was all a reference to his Saturn costume. No, that that, Get no, out. that first ending just is garbage. No. Second yeah, ending is best ending. was kind of fucking I'm awful. twirling Second my mustache. Best it, it was all, it's too complex for you. you see the various... Uh, uh, constellations and the two girls who really need to put some clothes Noah, on. No, I'm gonna kick you in your tiny dick. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, second ending is best ending, so... I'm not gonna disagree with you. No, I'm, I'm about to say, fuck you, fight me. <laughs> well, let, later. second well, ending is Jenny, whatever you do, don't give him the sex. <laughs> Megan, you are a bad influence. Don't, no, that, all you audience members, don't listen to Megan, ever. Jenny, whatever you do, don't let Noah have sex tonight. <laughs> Megan, I thought we were friends. <sighs> we're friends until you make bad jokes. Which is just like Satoshi, because he does that too. He also loves to make Which, bad jokes. And Satoshi doesn't deserve the sex. No, he really doesn't. <laughs> like I said, I kind of relate to this character a little too much. So you also relate to the fact that you don't need the sex. <laughs> That's not the point. Footloose and fancy free. Can, can, can we not talk about this anymore? Fan, Fun and Fancy Free is an awful Disney movie. It, it's, it really needs to be criticized much more. It's a that Muppet movie, Matter of Fancy, motherfucker. That, but no, but Fun and Fancy Free came before that. Back on Satoshi! Oh yeah, so... uh. Satoshi would be a good Muppet. <laughs> I think we said all we can about Satoshi. A really good casting. And I do, I think we all really like his arc throughout the entire show, going from the guy who you think is fun and fancy free and find out he's got some layers to him that uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Like an ogre. Back. Like an ogre. <laughs> Don't well, Let's talk about Eruchitanda. No, no, no. Where did that come from? 
We're talking about ogres and layers. No, we're not. Somebody once told me, Chitanda's curiosity's gonna roll me. Oraki is the sharpest tool in okay, the shed. Okay, Megan, I just got a message from Chris Farley. He is actually going to be coming back from the dead to curb stomp your ass. <laughs> Only if he does it in the Chippendales oh outfit. He brings oh Patrick God. Swayze with Stop him. It. Can we please? Okay. I want to go to bed tonight. Can we please yeah, show me the way to go soon. home? I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Let's talk about Eruchi Tonda. Best girl. No. Uh, that's not how you spell Mayaka. Um, or say Mayaka. She is the fam she is part of the famous farming Chitandas, and she is here to curiosity the shit out of Oraki. <laughs> You're not wrong. So er Eru Chitanda is played by one Miss Madeline Morris, who you've heard in series such as Brave Witches, The Love Tyrant, and Three Leaves, Three Colors, because I refuse to ever, ever, ever bring up that show again, Dave! Dave. What? <laughs> Hey! What? You didn't suffer like three we did. Three Leaves, Three Colors does not exist. No, Three Leaves, Three Colors can exist. There's another show that doesn't exist that Madeline Morris did was Dave. in. Dave! 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 Can, can you help me out here, guys? Seven Mortal it's, Sins. It's... Oh, it. oh okay. Damn it, Roots! Okay. okay. Uh, you, you gotta give us some help here. I don't think me and Lilac have seen it yet. Don't. You don't ever need to. Well, now I do, now that you've told do, us to no, not to. No, do yourself a favor. No, 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 no. Every time you tell us not to watch something, it just makes us want to watch it even more. Noah, you'll hate yourself after. More than you already Shut do. up! Madeline Morris uh, as Chitanda. She is matched to uh, Satomi Saito in the Japanese, who a lot of us would know as... Um, she was uh, Kanzaki, who's Leah Clark's character in Assassination Classroom. But I think a lot of us know her as Ritsuka, uh, Ritsu uh, Tanika from uh, K-On. I know nothing about K-On, nope. so the answer is going to be no. Good, you don't need to know anything Ritsu about Ritsu is the one who looks um, like a chipmunk. Don't they all look like chipmunks? Yes! Yes, they yes. do. <laughs> Things are fun. Anyway, um, uh, I'll start first. Out of the four... I would say that Chitanda is the weakest. That being said, she is not, this is not a bad performance. Far from it. A lot of people, uh, I know specifically ANN wasn't really super, super fond, despite giving the dub, I believe, an A grade uh, for their right, for their particular reviewers. Madeline really, really, really got a lot of what the spirit of Chitanda is. Uh, but it does, one of the things I think uh, some people would criticize this as bad is that when Chitanda talks, it kind of sounds like Madeline's taking a lot of breaths. But that's because if you know somebody who talks really, really fast like me, you'll notice that I take a lot of breaths when I talk. Because when you're talking faster than your brain is working, you kind of don't get time to think to sit and breathe. Yep. So, I mean, you can, you can kind of hear how I'm talking. So if you can imagine when Chitanda is very, very curious, Oreki. We have to go figure out this mystery, Oreki. We have to go. We have to go. That it really does fit that she talks that fast. And originally, when I started the show, I thought that was kind of a down, like a downward thing. But then I realized, oh my god, I talk as fast as this girl when I get really, really excited or really, really into something. Side of like what I'm doing now. 
for kind of a bit, but if you've talked to me in real life outside of a con, you know that I can go on for days and days and days about Gee, things. Gee, you think? Kind of like um, right now. <laughs> that's what the joke is, guys. But we have a timetable. I love table. you. I, I love you, but I'm tired. We, we got a train to catch. Anyway, go ahead, Lila. Uh, I can go? Okay. I, I didn't know you were done. Um... <laughs> Well, I'm going to be done because we've been here for a while, but I honestly do think that Madeline did a really good job, and especially considered against Jill, Dallas, and whoever, and uh, the gentleman who is playing Oriki, I believe she is probably the newest Yeah, I think person. you would be correct in that assumption. I, I've definitely the, heard her in the, the least new, amount of things. One of the more new people. Because, again, my first, um, my first experience with Madeline Morris is in a show, a uh, train wreck disguised as a show called The Zeta The Last Witch. <laughs> Um, which, this is a long way from what her performance was in Izetta. And I guess that kind of brings me into into my thoughts, because my first experience with Madeline Morris was also Izetta the Last Witch, but then I was, I was okay with her at that point, but then I got to see her in Alice in Zoroku, and I think the character she plays in Alice in Zoroku, because um, her character there is kind of like the nerdy kind of programmer kind of girl, I felt that that was probably more suited for her range compared to, um, I think, what was it, Bianca in Izetta? I forget. Uh, I, I just called her the one who has a crush on what's-her-name. A lesbian. I was referring to Bianca and Izetta, not Allison Zoroku. Um, but Allison Zoroku is much more, I think, in a better range and a better per like character type Compared to Izetta, though, to be fair, that show is, a, to be fair again, that show is also a train wreck, so it's not real well written to begin with. I feel like if the writing was better, maybe Madeline would have a better shot with the character, but that's not her fault. That's the show's fault. The more we forget Izetta, the <laughs> well, my, she's my... the bad witch, right? Bianca? No. No, Bianca? No, only only no. bad witches are ugly. No, Bianca was the 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 the, the um, guard person oh, okay. who was uh, watching over Rizetta. Um But going from now from Alice and Zoroku to Hyoka, so so now we're basically going on like a full like leading role status here. I really enjoyed it. Seeing the progression of her range and the versatility in Madeline uh, and her performances and her characters is very nice to me. I do enjoy that and I have to commend her for that. And Megan, I have to agree with Megan too. At first, it just seemed really, really breathy, but when you put into perspective for a person who tends to talk a lot and very, very fast, and with Chitanda's personality being of a very curious mind, it just makes a lot of sense for her to just end up very breathy because she's just throwing these she's basically vomiting words and thoughts in a sense there's no other way to put it she's just but vomiting she's, thoughts she's dignified about it but yeah she's, she's, she's dignified but yes and i think she also pulls off chitanda's innocence and that distinct curiosity very well and she's also very compassionate towards her friends, especially you, you see that, I think one of the stronger moments that she got to do that with is the Valentine's Day episode. 
And also the doll festival. Especially well, the doll festival. Yeah. Well, I feel I feel like personally I I mean compassion towards your friends and more oh, specifically okay. the Valentine's Day episode. Well, because... her compassion in that in the doll festival is for the entire district that she lives in. No, but I'm referring to like, you know, how she's freaking the hell out and she wants to find this chocolate so that okay. way Sato she gets it and then Mayaka can finally like be a bit happy about it. You know what I mean? That whole thing where she was just so mm-hmm. determined to find that chocolate no matter what. Like, that kind of compassion and, like, determination, she really pulls it off with Chitanda, and I just really enjoyed it overall. And it, again, it's a great progression, progression from where I originally started her, started seeing Madeline, to where she is now, and I think it's really, really great. Hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that, because I had to go through her cast list, because I, I didn't see Azetta. But I recognized her as um, she plays Hotaru in New Game, the blonde-haired girl who's friends with um, who's friends with Alba and Nene, who goes to France. You right? I forgot about that. But she, that character's not really in there very much. No, she's not. But you know, it's something I've heard recently. Um, but that's not important to the discussion because the main discussion is how does she do with this role? And you are all right about her breathiness. Um, I actually uh, got through the first couple episodes, and the note I wrote about her performance uh, in English was, uh, she fe- it feels like she's almost putting on a facade, this higher-pitched, enthusiastic voice that's always, um, I suppose it feels like it's pitched up higher than her normal speaking voice. And when we get to the end of the series, we find out that's not really accurate, but we, we also find out that she does not want to go beyond uh, high school, like or she doesn't want to go beyond the town as it is. Like she's kind of figured out that what she does is she's a good mediator. She is a good uh, coordinator of people to get stuff done for the greater good of all. And that is very much her role in the whole show. She is the one who instigates them getting involved in all the mysteries, which is very important because our main character does not want to get involved in everything. So Madeline's enthusiasm is kind of like an impenetrable force field of optimism that is necessary to get everything done in the show. I had not really much of a problem with the way that Madeline voiced the character or really the acting because it it handles both sides of the personality pretty well. Um, One thing I found in an interview was the art director said that they made a conscientious effort to distinguish the animation on her between her normal speaking roles and then when she gets all Oreki, how, how did this happen? I have to know! Which becomes like her yeah. catchphrase throughout the series. Yeah. And so, it's adorable. It, it is quite adorable. Her and she eyes has get the all most sparkly and. The most. We go into Sakuga the Town. The most <laughs> adorable, bright purple eyes, which is one element of the art that I caught on was everyone's got like a bright ass eye color that's like really distinct. You got bright magenta for Miyaki, you got uh, hazel orange for Satoshi. And you got the... Mayaka, you mean? Hmm? Mayaka. You mean Mayaka? Yeah, I... You said Miyaka or something. Mayaka. I I dropped a syllable because it's late at night. (laughs) No excuses. Okay, fine. So, yeah. So... Speak English. Okay. Who's sprechen Sie Deutsch? (laughs) We're in Eagle Town. Speak English. (laughs) President... President Roots. Oh, please don't, please don't shoot me, Se- Se- Senor. Please don't shoot me. 
Oh, God damn it. Okay, now we're getting racist. Yeah. I'm half not. Mexican. I'm allowed to say that. No, you're not. Oh, that's that's right. going to make it worse. Y yeah, actually, I am, Lilac. No, you're just going to make it worse. So stop. Well, yes, I am. But that's why I exist. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm also here to say that Madeline had all the enthusiasm we needed for this. And it was refreshing to have a newer voice, or at least a less familiar voice to voice the character, because it made this definitively her Eru, and no one else is ever going to be able to take that away from her for the rest of her voice acting career. Mm. So, President Ooh. Roots, please give us the presidential decree of approval. Well, as your president, I do declare... <laughs> Like I, I declare, I declare. Like I largely agree with you guys, though. I, I have to say that the arc that defines Chitanda and Madeline Morris as Chitanda is the Hioka arc. Yes, absolutely. Like that, that is the crowning achievement of Madeline Morris's Chitanda. With. A close second being the Valentine's Day episode. Like, that was... That was a strong episode for just about everybody in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think we held that same reaction while watching it. We were all like, damn, this is a good Valentine's episode. Yeah. <laughs> that episode hits like a fucking freight train. But, um, I, I really liked her voice. It really didn't take a lot of getting used to. Maybe because I hadn't even seen... Like, even a clip of the show in Japanese. It felt kind of natural to the character. So, yeah. So, so yeah. here's to hearing more Madeline and more shows. Here, here. And now the reason right. why I'm here. <laughs> the reason why Lilac's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yay! I've been waiting for this. Hotaru, Hotaru Oreki. Nosebleed. I'm ah, so excited. Oh, Hotaru. I do I declare. Do. I'm gonna punch I'm him very furious about you, Hotaru. Wait, how, how did I get into an anime, though? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, Roots is Roots is our is our uh, Hotaru, uh, Hotaru in a nutshell. Um, so Hotaru Oraki is our main character who doesn't like to spend expend a lot of energy and kind of gets roped into all of this because of his damn sister. Um, and then obviously. He becomes unable to say no to Titanda because he develops feelings for her and stuff and shit and things. Uh, but before I say who plays this in English, uh, just because we were kind of doing this, he's played by uh, Yuichi Nakamura in the Japanese. And some other roles that Junichi Nakamura has played, uh, especially in things... Oh, shut your whore mouth and be patient. <laughs> um... He's played characters like Grey Full Buster and Fairy Tale, a role that uh, New, New is it? I think it's Newton Newt Pittman. Pittman. I'm, yeah, Newton Pittman's played. He's played Gurren Itsunose in Seraph of the End, which is a role that Dave Trosco has played. Um, he has played characters such as uh, Dodachin in Durarara. Uh, he's unfortunate. He's a loser in Dimension W, who I believe is J. Michael Tatum's character. <laughs> Loser. I can't believe I remember that. We all drink to forget <laughs> Dimension I W mean, exists. You're right. uh, he's Renji. He's Yomu in Tokyo Ghoul, which is Aaron Roberts, Ronaldo in 91 Days. Um, he's Matt Mercer's fucking character in Fire Emblem Fates. Um, You've been watching a lot of he's cartoons. He's a character that's right. 
Fire Emblem Fates is a video game, you ignorant. <laughs> What's a video game? Um, <laughs> What's a video game? I don't know. Okay. I don't know, Noah. How about that Pac-Man but, uh, game that you played at MAGFest one time? I, um, uh, yeah, but uh, he's also ventured into some uh, some Sentai shit. Something called Monthly Girls Nozaki. Oh, hey, what up? He was uh, Ume Taro Nozaki, so... But, uh... Wrong... Wrong Gib. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it is Adam Gibbs. Hey! <laughs> I was like, wrong Gibbs! Besides, like, yes, wrong Gibbs! Besides, also, also, you were saying Yay. he was Nozaki? That's Ty, you ding-dong. That's Ty Mahaney. I was say, I, you were I thinking Mikoshiba, weren't you? You're thinking Mikoshiba, no, Scott. Not, he's not Mikoshiba, that's Scott. You said he's. You were saying that it's the other Gib. Let's just say that they're both. That's what I meant! They're both very oh, Gib and up. move on. God damn it! Shut your whore mouth! I will not shut my whore mouth because this is the one you 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 reason why I'm here, damn it! You all have the night fever and all of you need to go shadow dancing. I need to go to bed as well. I I need to go to bed is what I need right now. Anyway, Adam Gibbs! Beyond the fucking boundary. He's in Parasite the Maximum, and he's in Noah's favorite anime ever made. Dramatic murder. I don't have words to describe my hatred for you at this point. <laughs> now, I'm just, anyway. just going to point out that Adam Gibbs plays best boy in Beyond the Boundary. Just saying. That's not how you spell! Oh, for God's sakes, you two. <laughs> no, fuck you. We're having a fight about this. Beyond the Boundary is my favorite Kyoto Annie show. Fuck you. Fight me, all of you, in the comments, because you're all going to say Beyond the Boundary is a bad show. You know what? Piss off. And by the way, Akihito is best fuck boy. You. Fight fuck me, Fuck you. Bitch. Fuck you. I'm flipping you off right now. <laughs> fuck you. No, fuck you, <laughs> asshole. Wait, now Megan's gone full Oprah. <laughs> You get a fuck, and you get a Look fuck, and you get a fuck. <laughs> Anyways. Look under your seat, Lilac. It's a fuck. <laughs> I don't have a horse in this damn race. Now, 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 can I just say one thing before we get a little bit, before we really dive into our thoughts on Adam, Can you cream your jeans over Adam Gibbs being Hotoro? No, 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 no. Can I just, can I just bring one thing up? That it was wetter than the Mariana Trench Shut down the there? Shut fuck up. I'm going to punch you. No. That it was so wet you could put a fish in there and it would live. <laughs> Is that why there's ripples in the opening? God damn it. <laughs> the... I hate you all so much. Except for Roots. I love you, Roots. Thank you for not being a part of this right now. No. Ain't no big fan. No. Who is that boy? He sees. No. I have to bring this up. I have to bash it. Shut Four the kids up. Up of the end. Okay, I'm gonna stop. I have to bring this up because this is very relevant. Because you you might say that this is the first time Adam Gibbs has been in a Funimation show. That is not the case. What? Because, and this goes back into that possible production timeline for Hyoka. Does anybody recall seeing a little show called The Disastrous Life of Psyche K? Didn't watch it, but heard about Judgment! it. <laughs> okay, so in the last few episodes of the show, there's this character who's a muddy grubbing rich kid. That's Adam Gibbs. Ah, really? Yeah. So my guess is that because I think Psyche K finished up like probably the end of summer last year, maybe. It was or a while early ago. Fall. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. 
So my guess is they were probably in production with Hioka at that point because, again, if you recall, Afia Yu was directing Psyche K. And okay. um, she's also character creating Hyoka. So she, at the, at, while he was probably in town working on Hyoka, she probably asked if he could come in here. So, That's which good. explains a lot, because I just, I was, I'm just sitting there the first time I saw Adam in Psyche K, and I'm like, wait, how did this happen? And now this is, all explains everything. But anyway, I had to throw that in there real quick, but. Well, why don't you splooge about him, honey? <laughs> no, 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 hold hold on. I think we Noah, should let, let go already last. Noah already told me I had to go last. So that... We're saving the best for yes, mess. Yes, we're saving the, the, the mess for nest. What? I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. We're having, we all have night madness at this point. I think Root yeah, should go first in this roundabout because he's been an awesome pug and deserves to have the banner first. How is Adam Gibbs's Oreki? How, how did I get into an anime? Like, <laughs> you didn't choose the anime life. The anime life chose like, you. He's me. Like, he holy is. shit, he's me. <laughs> <laughs> how but, is um, he like you? He's he's. You're seeing double right now, huh? <laughs> um, he except has... he doesn't have your bitchin' beard. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no one has will. your bitchin' beard. No one ever will. But, um, no, seriously, uh, he gives off the aura of low energy, but in fact is one of the most... <clears throat> but it's in fact incredibly thoughtful. Particularly of other people and of their situations. Even though he doesn't like to admit it. And, um, I... I I really like Adam Gibson here, mainly because he's, um, he also played Shinichi in Parasite the Maxim, whom, in his early arc, as he's figuring out about Migi and all the, all the parasites, his personality's kind of similar, in a way, and so it, it's kind of a weird thing to see him... <clears throat> see him like uh, normally Houston actor in a in a Dallas dub but it, that too in and of itself is a really cool thing that I'm I'm glad that the casting director ended up doing not sure how exactly it happened but I'm not going to question circumstance money it happened with money no no here's how it happened Mike McFarland happened because <laughs> <laughs> Mike McFarland will just get anyone at this point let's face it this is yes, not an untrue statement. <laughs> yeah. coming, coming soon to a Funimation near you, a new series starring Brad Swale. No, 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 no. no. You know what? That actually happened, I shit, so. <laughs> no, though, to be fair, probably at a close second right now to Mike McFarlane's capabilities of pulling actors in this Clifford Chapin, because ghost is a thing that exists, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, that is a thing that Just exists. Just saying. He's gonna murder me. Just saying. He's gonna murder me when he hears. He probably this. will. Not if we get. Not if we do yeah, it first. Yeah, I'm not sorry, buddy. Come at me. Michelle will fight me <laughs> with you. Michelle, back me up, please. Look here. I'll put you on my shoulders, and I'm pretty sure you can help me claw things out. I'm fat and stable. <laughs> but yeah, it, I don't have a lot of words to say, but it's. It's a largely positive experience. God, I really fucking love this performance. <laughs> Yay! Um, 
honestly, it was such a breath of fresh air because Adam Gibbs is in a lot of shows that I don't watch because they are shows I'm not interested. Also, be I'm scared shitless of Parasite. Says the girl who loves this Tokyo. This is a sensible World. reaction. I am also <laughs> scared. I don't blame it. Yeah, I am also scared of Parasite. Okay, look here. Uh, for anybody who's never heard the explanation of why I can sit and watch Tokyo Ghoul, but I can't watch Parasite, Tokyo Ghoul, everything is kind of slightly neon-colored and looks fake. Kagune doesn't just burst out of the skin. Uh, in Parasite, things look like they're melting and morphing and sliding, and that grows. I mean, me. you're not wrong. It's John that's, Carpenter-esque. That's my there is some... Yeah, I don't do John... Horror. I don't fucking do John Carpenter, okay? It's... I'll fucking do that. It's like the but love no. baby of John Carpenter and David Cronenberg, which, holy fuck, don't... Get, 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 get away, get away, get away. No. Long live the new flesh! You're making it sound better than it actually is. Well, he is. Uh, no, but anyway, to me, I think there's a lot of moments that everybody would say, like, this is the standout moment for Oreki as a character, and Adam Gibbs as a performance. And it's odd that we say this, because I'm going to hearken back to the arc that I think everybody likes the least. Oh, yeah, I think I that know where you're going to go. That is the film festival arc. And that is this, because I brought it up with Erisu. How Alexis does a really good job drawing out a lot of the things that Oreki doesn't want to do. On the flip side of this is Adam Gibbs doing the one and only time Oreki ever truly snaps and screams at something. Because not even when he yells at Satoshi does he truly get to the level of fury. And in that scene, there's a lot of ways that other actors and other characters are gonna do fucking angry at somebody. Where you're gonna come at them and it's gonna be intense and it's gonna be loud and you're just gonna hear all of this coming forward out of you, like, out of nowhere, like, fuck this bitch. But the way that Adam Gibbs puts it through Oroki is to be seen. Mm. Because he's not yelling at anybody. He's tense. You can, like, I can feel, like, I can feel like I'm seeing Adam Gibbs, all of the muscles up in his shoulders be tense. Like, he's trying not to yell. Because Oriki doesn't yell in that scene. He's just, he's intense without showing yeah. it. And you, honest to God, feel terrified at his anger at her. And it is something I've not seen out of Adam or a lot of other actors. I think maybe the only other time this year I could have maybe seen it is maybe um, with Rachel Robinson's Mauve as a female example from Akka. Or Chris Bevins as Nino. Or um, Austin Tyndall as Gene Otis. Akka is the only other dub I could have actually, like, in my mind, think of seeing this type of character. Um, so I really want to applaud... Uh, I want to make sure I'm getting the right Adam Adam Gibbs on that scene. Because it is stunningly acted between both him and Alexis Tipton. And I don't. I feel like a lot of people who are watching the dub really didn't compliment that scene. But then again, you have moments like where he confronts Dave Trosko's character, where he has a bit of humor to the way that he's going through things. But then you see moments like in uh, the doll episode where he sees Chitanda on the bridge, and you kind of finally see that Oreki realizes that he's in love with Chitanda, and that well, 
in his fantasy. Those moments have been kind of laced the throughout last... the whole show. Like, we've had, like, a... But that was the culmination moment where you really hear it go off in his head, like, holy shit, I'm curious about what she looks like. Because I have to know what she looks like as this beautiful living doll, but he can't. And he will never satisfy that curiosity of seeing her. And then you have kind of a couple scenes later where you see in his head, let me take over the burden of becoming the head of your family, basically, is what he says yep. in his head. Let me own but your family. But I'm going to pass it over to Noah. I'm going to pass on to Noah. Thank you. And that, that was well worded. I'm glad that you did point out the uh, the scene uh, in the tea... Um, were they having, was it a tea room? Yeah, they uh, were the having scene, tea. Yeah, the scene with uh, Fuyumi. Because, yeah, that, that kind of brings up one criticism I have, just to start out with. Because there are scenes where Oreki breaks his droll persona and gets much more upset or more enthusiastic i didn't buy all of them not necessarily because of the acting but more because it didn't match the animation like he got more enthusiastic but the facial expression didn't quite match it um and there are few and far between because he normally holds up the persona of if i don't have to i'm not going to and if i have to i'll do it as quickly as possible he keeps that for most of the series but that's a hard thing to pull off without being uh, boring and dry and like some like I think the best example we've seen of that in English dubbing up to this point was ironically from another Kyo show and that would have been Kion from Haruhi Suzumiya played by Crispin Freeman this is a this is a good compliment to that like this is takes those lessons they learn from that and amps up the snarkiness and the quick-wittedness to it because it's not just snark in his voice it's also good good quips like the kind of good back and forth dialogue that you would get out of like an old radio show where the where the writing of the characters and the dialogue is the entire program, which made it was kind of funny to me that they worked so hard to make the writing on this good because they also worked really hard at making the animation really good too. It's like a Sakuga city all up in this. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah, so I don't have aside from uh, maybe some of the over the top moments from Oreki not matching the moment i really don't have anything against his acting i i find it really funny that you um that you actually brought up haruhi suzumiya because uh both hyoka and the melancholy of haruhi suzumiya were actually directed by the same director in japan yasuhiro takamoto he also directed episodes of lucky star from episodes five mm -hmm. onward uh full metal panic full metal panic uh full metal panic the second raid full metal panic fumofu well uh, Amagi Brilliant Park, and of course, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Right, Age. right. So a lot of uh, the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yes. So I, I wish I had something like more profound to say about Adam's performance on this because, as someone who is who, who um, went to school for English, um, you know, to get a degree in English, and really appreciates well-written dialogue, I really, uh, really appreciate the delivery that Adam had in a lot of the writing and just like every episode had like a little moment of him to kind of show off uh good quips to him like the scene where he's sitting in the club room and he has to sell the anthologies and he's got like good uh dialogue between the different people who come in and give him like a different thing to trade every time and it like goes through the lineup and by the end he's got a bag of flour that saves the day or the scene where they go over to um they go to Eru's house and they're describing their theories about what happened to her uncle he's got like in his head uh, postulating about what happened in a, re a really well-written voice. It's like the kind of thing that 
the English writers and readers in the audience are just going to, like, eat up entirely. So, thank, good job on yeah. casting Adam. Um, I'm looking forward to not hearing him in Parasite the Maximum, but I am looking forward to hearing him in just about anything else he does going forward. There's a certain show that starts with an H that you should totally watch that's starting on High Dive this week because he's in it. I'm excited Hellgirl? for that. No. Uh, we can't Honey say. and Clover. We can't say right now. We can't say. Can't say right now. He's uh, going to keep guessing. Haruto. No, what? Yeah. Haruto's just, dad, just, actually. Just go, like. just, just go. We'll okay. Take it, go. Take it away. Okay. The night madness is taking night over. Night madness is taking but over very hardcore. So, to give to give this whole thing some context, because I know we were screaming and yelling earlier, I've been enjoying Adam Gibbs as a voice actor for probably a lot longer than anyone here. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine my wish because there are some there are really good voice actors in Dallas and with Sentai and, I, and you know obviously the wish occurs like hey I, maybe you mean Houston, Houston Sentai? excuse me thank you there's always that wish it's like I wonder what it'd be like if they came over here to came over to Dallas got to be in a Funimation show and Adam Gibbs was probably one of the first ones that came to mind that I feel could cross that bridge in terms of at least the new, the newer, fresher talent pool down in Houston. And then originally Psyche K happened. And like I was saying before, I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> what? Like, what? How did this Say happen? What? And then we hear about Hyoka coming in and being announced. I'm like, okay, not only does this make sense, but wait, what? <laughs> and I think that not only is this one of my, this probably my favorite performance of Hyoka, I think that this is probably one of my favorite performances from Adam Gibbs in general. Because not only does he get, not only does he get the not necessarily lazy but lackadaisical attitude that Oriki has, he gets his snarky moments. Again, going back to the beginning when he was he was telling Satoshi to swallow whatever was on the tip of his tongue. He gets the snark. He gets the lackadaisical moments. He gets the he gets the bits of curiosity that he himself has, and. Oriki's character, he goes through a nice transition from being this person who doesn't want to expend a lot of energy to actually, like, taking initiative on his own and getting himself involved in things without having need to be pushed by Chitanda or Satoshi or Ibarra or any of them. You're referring to, like, the... the, uh, um... The research into the, his teacher who was looking at the helicopters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that I think that guy was also played by Phil. Parker, that that way. that's that episode in particular. You can kind of see that a bit more, but that character progression that Oriki has throughout the whole whole show, and coupling that with Oriki's personality in general, Adam Gibbs managed to nail pretty much every single point of that character and it and personally I think it speaks volumes to 
Adam as a voice actor. And I, I'm just, ah, I'm sorry. Because, again, Adam Gibbs is probably one of my favorite voice actors over in the Houston Sentai area. And the fact that he's hanging out here in a Funimation dub, I'm just so happy. <laughs> die, die, die. Shut up. I'm going to punch you. You can't punch me from Boston. I don't care. I she will, will find hit that a way. like the fist of an angry god. I will find a way. I'm power of the god hand. I'm just vi- I'm trying to sing my praises and you keep making things worse. Sorry, mom. You god damn it. But I think this is a stellar performance, bar none. Probably one of, if not my favorite performance of the show itself, and probably my favorite performance from Adam Gibbs in general. And since Psyche K season two is a thing, I'm hoping he's going to co- at least come back for his wonderful character, <laughs> who's a snarky little rich boy. But um, not only that, but I hope that also gives him a good <sighs> excuse while he's doing the doing Psyche K to, that only if Psyche K is confirmed to Samuel Dub, to again, reach out and take part in other shows um, when that happens, because it's great when you see those voice actors cross in between those two studios, and I just want to see Sentai actors here over in Funimation more, Funimation over in Sentai more, though it's... Bring Bryson Magus over! Bring Bryson over! Bring Bryson over to Dallas! Bring over, you cowards! Well, Houston and Dallas are, like, right next to each other, right? I mean, that can't be too difficult. That's the downside. That's the downside. No, we've all been to Texas. We all learned that the roads there are stupid. It is, is like, a Lego track of insanity. You know what I remember from Dallas? I remember almost punching Noah out. (laughs) Also, if I recall, Noah took a little jiggle suplex city. It was all for love. But... Yeah, the bottom line. All right, but let's 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 let her finish. Yes, that too happened. My but, neck still hurts, damn it. But bottom line, Adam Gibbs as Odaki is phenomenal. I want to see Adam Gibbs in more Funimation stuff. Though if that does not happen, I will gladly take any of the stuff that he does for Sentai because Adam Gibbs is a fantastic actor in general. I'm done. And then. Funimation okay. and Sentai will fuse into one company, and it will be called Funtai. That is not going to happen. You I don't roll. think yeah, you okay. want an anime Funny company roll called Funtai. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> anyway. I, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> anyway. Is this, oh, because it sounds like yes. yes. Yes, we need to finish. Can that makes finish? me want can, it even can, more can, now. Can we anyway, finish, let's move can we finish for the night? I'm tired. Yes, show me the way to go home. So, uh, final thoughts. Uh, I vote Roots goes first. <laughs> I second this. I third this. Go. <laughs> I fourth this. Okay. <laughs> I knew from the outset Hyoka would be a weird case for me. I knew certain aspects of the Japanese wordplay were going to be steamrolled for the sake of coherence. But I'm actually not upset by this much. While it deviates from the Japanese at times, rarely does it feel like a discount experience. By sacrificing the wordplay, they were able to build a little more on the character banter, which made each of the four protagonists feel just a little bit more organic. Unfortunately, due to watching the series on Verve, I did not have the opportunity to watch the subtitled version for the review, 
and I won't until it's actually uploaded to Crunchyroll. Uh, this is a bit of a shame, as I feel it hampered my ability to give the dub a proper comparison. That said, the series is a must-own, and when I do, I look forward to viewing the original for myself. As to whether or not I can recommend the dub, yes, with an asterisk attached. I am only a demi-professional anime dub reviewer, so this one stumped me a bit. I say watch both and make your own opinion. This show seems to be designed with repeat viewings intended, and not just in mind, in order to catch the subtle clues and details left behind. So, you know, doing a dub-sub comparison would actually do the series itself a favor. Who goes next? You go. You have to... You go next, because you have a crying child in the I background. Do. Okay, um, my thoughts on this show are that I did not know what to expect going into this, and coming out of it, I think this is going into my top 10 series that I've seen of the year. Because I, I do my own personal list of all the stuff that I've seen throughout the year and put it into a top 10 list. And this surprised me the most because, like I said, I'm, I'm really into uh, well-written dialogue that uh, is, like, has good uh, wordplay, good puns, uh, has like clever little quips between characters that feel very natural. And especially well-acted dialogue between characters that really conveys the sense of what a high schooler uh, enjoys, which is uh, all these mysteries they go through are very small mysteries. These feel like kind of mysteries that you could actually have in your own high school experience, and if you were clever enough, you would be able to solve them. So getting to see them uh, partake in this uh, and develop throughout the whole show was a very satisfying experience brought even more strongly on by the strong performance of the characters. I don't even think that I lost anything by watching this in the dub instead of the sub, because I'm sure that there's, uh, uh, there's like, word, uh, plays on words, or, like, certain meanings and things that may be easily conveyed if uh, in subtitles, but if you just want to get the gist of the show with good acting performances and most of the translations covering a lot of, like, the important stuff, like, why Jumanji uh, is stealing all the stuff, or th most importantly, the significance of the word Hyoka, which is actually kind of interesting when they translate into English because the pun itself already is an English joke. It's uh, it is a very uh, satisfying experience, and I'm very glad that I signed up to do this. I think Megan was the one who suggested we do this. Thank you, Megan. You done made a good decision. Yay, fly let go. I mean, we all know the reason why I force myself in here, but, uh... <laughs> Gibbs fan club! Legit, though. He's a great actor. Fight me. Um, he is. He is. Nobody's saying he's I not. Know. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, I think... Overall, I kind of think that this is a very, very strong dub for a very solid show. Again, I haven't seen Hyoka until I watched it for... for to, talk about it i don't think a lot yeah. of us saw it until yeah, we watched to be this. fair <laughs> to be we're not pirates no well i was we, for we, a were, bit, we, but... we were young once we were young and naive once but um it's a very solid dub i love the direction i love the writing on it and the casting is probably the most interesting of all because the four main characters they are relative unknowns at least in the Funimation Dallas pool, especially Adam Gibbs, because again, you've never heard him in a Funimation dub before. But all four of them, you could potentially say, 
that each one of those four main characters, Adam, Madeline, Dallas, and Jill, all four of them, those are the best performances I've ever seen them do Mm. for acting in their careers. You could easily say that. And I think... It shows that the four of them, they were able to carry the show through its entirety. And they do such a phenomenal job. And this isn't to say that the rest of the dub is terrible either. The rest of it is very solid. But if you didn't have that core four-person cast there, and if you didn't have such phenomenal performances as you did, it would be a, we'd be having a completely different conversation right now. So... Good on you guys. I absolutely loved it. It's fantastic. I think this is probably one of the better home... This is probably one of the best home video um, dubs I've seen this year. And unfortunately, there's... Because the other one you're recording tomorrow. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, but I also have, like, mm. Go Sick. And there's... And there's Skippy. There's Skippy uh, There's Aikido. Aikido the Exiled still. There's... Oh. Yeah, that's an episode we were supposed to do and never fucking but got around to it. But it still qualifies. There's a lot of competition this year, to me, in terms of fantastic English dubs. And and, Hyoka, and Hyoka is just going to be thrown into the mix now, because it's such a phenomenal dub, and it could, and I just loved every second of it. Mind if I sprinkle it then? Because for the longest time, my best home video release of the year was Akita the Exile. Huh. Um, which, yes, guys, we did have an episode planned for that, and Lilac and I have watched it, and we could fucking record it at any well, time. Well, I'd have to rewatch so it, because I, I forgot half of it. But it's, like, five hours, and it's not that hard to rewatch. So. Um, but for me, I, I have to completely agree with her. Um, this is one of the best home video releases I've watched. I obviously still need to watch Anohana, um, and I really haven't watched a lot of, um, Viz stuff, and I don't know if Blue Exorcist Kyoto Saga comes out in time. I, I don't think video it's that, I don't think it's going to. But no, I agree with her completely. This dub could have really fucked up. Um, and that's being nice. Yeah. Um, there is probably a huge subsection of anime fans who think that this dub is absolute garbage. Because it's not exactly again there are going to be a subset of people who think that this is a show that's undubbable like bakemonogatari um which even i as a dub fan find that to be an undubbable dub with the amount of wordplay and text use and bada bing bada boom but i think i'm the only one of the four of us who's actually sat through more than an episode of Bakemonogatari. i don't dare touch it oh. at all so I, just i mean you could also say the Tatami galaxy you could see Fair. Or even Ping Pong, but they dubbed Ping Pong and it's one of the best dubs Funimation's ever put out. True. I wouldn't put Hioka there. But, but it's but definitely a it solid as, one this year. It's a solid one this year. And it's really good that it's really solid because I do agree with Lilac that for Jill, Dallas, Madeline, and Adam, this is some of the some of the best I've ever heard them. And I I really hope that their performance is a specifically Dallas that this was kind of something that another, because he worked with a certain director, that springboarded him to another certain role that Ooh, we're going to talk you about. you have a good point. Hmm. You're right. We're, so another group of people are going to talk about uh, that I'm not allowed to say. 
But if you can read between the lines, you know exactly who I'm fucking talking about. I'm allowed um, to. You're, you're on that episode. Piss off. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, but I think that Mike and Chris as directors did a really good job making it so that you could never tell that there were two different directors on the show. You could never tell that there were two writers between Emily and Bonnie. That even for all the cast that we didn't talk about, because there's a lot of other really good actors in here, like... Rico Fajardo's in this. Aaron Dismuke's in this. Um, who else is in this? Uh, Jerry Jewell's in this. Laura Woodhall. Uh, I believe in w- at one point, Laura Woodhall and Allison Victorin placed sisters yes. in this. Oh, yeah. Which was the biggest fucking mindfuck I've ever sat through in an anime dub. Yeah, she kind of um, flipped her shit. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Which one's which? <laughs> um, but honestly... You're doing yourself a greater disservice by not watching Kyoka, because I do think it's one of the better Kyoto Annie shows. I would definitely, I'd actually put it as my number three. No, my number two, because my number one is always going to be Beyond the Boundary for reasons. My number two is going to be this, and my number three is Free is free and Free Eternal Summer. Um, you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching Kyoka and not watching it at least once in the dub. Even if it's just to understand the story beat. If you want to go and watch the wordplay in the Japanese afterwards so that you at least know what the story is to all of this, that's completely fine. But I think you, if you are a dub fan and you're even a little bit hesitant about this, just go fucking into it. Just do it. You're Just do it! Because you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching the dub at least once. Hmm. That's a heck of a way to end the episode. I always do that to you guys. It's like, I do, I'm like this big, loud, obnoxious asshole, but when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, here's, but here's, but, but yeah, here's, but, 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 here's your but, but thesis statement. Yeah. This is my, this is my thesis statement. This is what got me my degree. <laughs> surprise! Um, and that's and, how surprise! it is. is. And that, children, is why Megan is is in like $30,000 of debt. Oh, um, hooray! Well, to be fair, I think we all are. Hooray! And I'd still buy anime. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm an adult. I'm responsible. Make, make good life decisions, children. Decisions. Uh, team Bad Decisions. Anime. Join Team Bad Decisions. We anyway. have t-shirts. <laughs> no, we, we, we really we should. We just, join we Team Bad. Join Team Bad Decisions. You can. You can. You can high five Arcana. <laughs> <laughs> or high fives with Arcana, not included with the mission. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of anyway. plugging, how about we uh, we tell people where plugging they can see things. this show that we've been plugging for the past five hours? So if you shut up, um, if you want to watch Hyoka in the dub, you can head over to Funimation.com and sign up for a free, I believe, fourteen day trial. Uh, probably. I don't know anymore. Uh, a free trial, which they will charge you as soon as you're done. But honestly, for the amount of money that you're going to pay for a Funimation Now subscription, it is more worth the money. um, However, if you would like to pay a little bit more and combine two great things into one so that you don't have a separate Funimation and or Crunchyroll account to watch the sub, you can also get Verve, which I believe you pay a little bit more a month, but you get both things as well as a couple of other channels. Just be aware that Verve has still not fixed their issue with song and state and sign subtitling. So if you do prefer to have that, we do suggest that you buy both a separate Crunchyroll and Funimation account. If you've somehow don't know how you've gotten to this channel, you are on the Dub Talk podcast channel where you can subscribe to us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, wherever the hell we post social media shit, where we try to post episodes at least once a week, sometimes classics, uh, sometimes um, reviews, sometimes vlogs, who knows. Um, 
Anyway, so other children, plug yourselves. Okay. Um, my name is is uh, President Noah Clue, and oh wait, no, that's Roots. Is yeah. I'll say what? Usurper! Usurper! I, I give up my throne over my dead body. <laughs> Excellent. We'll do this battle royale style to the death. Can we not? All right, fine. We'll only do it battle mini royale. No. Well. Anyways, well, thumb fightsies. What what do, what do they call a quarter pounder with cheese over in Britain? Stop it. Royale with just, cheese. Just, just plug yourself. Okay. My name is Noah Clue, and I can be found over on Twitter at Noah Clue. And also, I have a YouTube channel that I am currently working on. Something I'm actually legitimately working on something for. So hopefully, by the time this episode goes up, it will already be over on the channel. I'm working on something to, to cover shit. all of the anime for the fall 2017 season. And I mean all of it. So look no, forward to that uh, monstrosity. It will be fun, people. Too many And I, anime. yes, I, I love watching, and well, of course watching, but talking about anime and cartoons of the Western variety of the entire planet, actually. So if I actually get this project off the ground, there will be many more videos talking about that. Not just about English dubs. Uh, my name is Stephanie, also known as Lilac. I apologize for being a tired human being who is also... I'm gonna admit, I was a little bit sick for a bit that I had to lay down <laughs> while recording. I'm like, I gotta get through this. I gotta get through this. Um, you have to write the script. Write the I ending of the script. Must get through. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled as a musical review, not a standard review. Uh, when I am not running this dog and pony show, when you're not being mom. when I'm not running this dog and pony show on a daily basis, I basically tweet about my life and how boring it can be sometimes, <laughs> and also and also probably tweet about anime and yell at everyone else it's it's that's my life i'm talking about I boring didn't you get to didn't you get to drive like a volvo or something today that's a story for another day sir anyway roots go yeah you can find me roots of justice at roots of justice on twitter i uh i post pug pics i wear a nice comfy tinfoil hat and talk about anime stuff and that's and when he's how not... it goes. Wait, you like anime? And when he's... I like anime. I know, right? We should get together. Anyway, when he's not wearing his comfy tinfoil hat and posting pugs, he's probably dealing with me crying over the phone. <laughs> you do cry it's a true. lot over the phone. You do, you do. But you're so nice to... But you're so easy to talk to. Oh, I know. Anyway, uh, my name is Megan, otherwise known as Queen Error 2. My job is to basically shitpost... Uh, and be Lilac's adorable pain-in-the-ass fake wife. <laughs> um, fake. Fake. No, legit her mom thinks we're dating or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, she thinks that we're gonna become married old cat ladies. Oh my god. Except for she doesn't know that Lilac's no, into women. No, I'm not. And I'm not into anything. You could, you could still be like the, like the, what is it, the women from uh, Coraline. We're gonna be the fucking, we're gonna be like... No, me, her, me, her, Gigi, and my body pillow are gonna No, be we're not. Oh. But I was gonna make the Kaneki body pillow blanche. Jesus Christ. Can, can, we, can, we, can, we, can we just, can can we just go? Uh, can we finish, please? <laughs> anyway, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Queen Era 2. And by the sounds of Roots is context. dying, we are finally done with this episode. The night madness Whoa. has set in. The mystery of the night and madness. And we finished <laughs> exactly at midnight. Ooh. Ooh.
<laughs> Can I go to bed? Is Bla please. Yes, everybody, go to bed. Good night, children. In Otaku. Which one is B. Arthur? I forget. Ruby, Ruby. Uh, anyway, Aloha. Go, go read some Agatha Christie. Yeah.